Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Not joining me as always, my producer, Kevin Black. Listen, Kevin has done such tremendous work for the Draft Deeper platform all cycle, really since this podcast started. So I think I think Kevin's earned just a little bit of a vacation from his normal production and recording duties to help this podcast. But fear not, because my guest has stepped up to the plate and has offered to take on some of those duties so we could do this podcast today. He's been on Draft Deeper basically the entire year. He is the conductor of chaos and no ceiling. You know him as the one and only Tyler Rucker. Rucker, there is no one better I could ask to come on and help react to what the fuck happened last night. What the actual fuck happened last night? How are you doing, bud? I'm great. You know, uh, it was the easiest yes I've ever given when you were like, hey, you want to come on and, and talk about the draft? I was like, yeah, Nathan, of course I do. Do you expect, <laughs> expect me to say anything else? But it's funny. Um, the, the stream last night for No Ceilings went incredible. Thank you for everyone for listening. It was yes. an absolute blast. And, and we even after the show, we're talking for like an hour. And then I, I woke up this morning. I was like, okay, I want to talk about the draft again. Like, what can I do? And I was like, oh, podcast with Nathan. Yes, let's do this. So I'm excited to break it down. It was crazy. I mean, yeah. we thought it was going to be insane, but what a night. I mean, some some really impressive hauls from some of these teams. I'm excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, old, old man Nate went to bed last night. I released a reactions pod. Um, by the time you're listening to this, this will come out on Monday. I did a reactions pod to come out Friday morning after the draft. And after that was over, I think that we were through like pick 43, 44 in the draft. And I was like, all right. I'm going to bed. I need some sleep. I, I I was I was very active on the stream. You were very active on the stream. I'm glad everybody kind of got their chance to shine. And there were some things that I think we talked about when we were scheduling appearances, like guest appearances on the stream, but it really worked out in terms of guys getting to talk about their teams, players who they were hyped about all draft cycle long. That stream, we had some excellent moments on there, and I'm so – I'm so thankful for how it turned out. Shouts out to NBA Top Shot for, for sponsoring the stream. I think we made them proud with, with some of the numbers we had. And I, I yeah, that, that couldn't have went better, in, in my opinion. So thank, thank you to everybody out there who listens to this podcast, who also tuned in to the No Ceilings 2022 NBA Draft stream. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to react to what happened last night. And I think... What we had come in to do was kind of give our grades. You and I both are not ultimately fond of draft grades, and I don't think it's because it's not good content. We want to provide analysis, post-draft analysis for everybody listening, but we, we don't know how this is going to turn out, like two to three years from now. We could look back, like the Josh Primo pick last year, for example. Like I, I think I gave that grade like a C or a C-. minus. You look back one year from now, I think the Primo pick's probably going to turn out pretty well for the Spurs, given the direction they're likely to go a year or two from now. So I don't want to slap an A or an F or a D on a team. We're just going to go through team by team, starting in the Eastern Conference and then moving over to the Western Conference. We're just going to talk out what happened last night during the draft. So we're going to start this podcast off at the Eastern Conference. No, though, we are not going to start with the Orlando Magic. We will get to Paolo Bencaro going number one, that that whole debacle fiasco in some people's eyes in a second. I want to start with the New York Knicks. and. Rucker, the reason why I want to start with the New York Knicks is because they did not end up making a first-round pick last night. They ended up picking 42nd. They got Trevor Keels in the second round, but they were involved in multiple draft night trades. They could have had Usman Jang 
ended up flipping that pick to the Thunder for three future protected first-round picks. Could have had Jalen Duran in a pick that was made by the Charlotte Hornets, then traded to New York, then ultimately traded to Detroit for a few assets as well. Ultimately, that move ended up being more so about getting assets back than being a Kemba Walker salary dump. We we know we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to stockpile picks, stockpile assets, create cap space. Seemingly, the the Jalen Brunson college recruitment style pitch is is what's on the table and. Free agency starts up next week. We'll see if Jalen Brunson ends up going to the Knicks or another team or if he stays with Dallas. But we'll see what happens on that front. But the reason why I wanted to start with the Knicks is this whole idea that for some reason it seems like they're still going to go in the direction of we're the Knicks, we're New York, we're in the big market, we're going to build this team through free agency. And to an extent, we're going to say screw getting depth in the draft, right? Go after one of these guys with a lottery pick. We feel like we have enough young players, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin. Let's, let's start spending some money. Let's bring in some free agents. So like that's, that's fine. But I still think trying to spend that much money and go after guys like a Jalen Brunson or possibly even higher, like this whole method that we're going to build in free agency. I think this needs to be done away with in the NBA. And, And I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on this, but we've moved into a position where the NBA is seemingly becoming more and more a little bit like the NFL and that you really have to nail your draft picks and you have to not just get stars in the draft, but you have to build depth through the draft as well. You look around at these teams who are competing for championships, the Warriors and the Celtics, we can point to this year's NBA finals. Rucker, you're a Celtics guy. That that team built through the draft. They built depth through the draft. They did not panic. They did not want to go out there and spend all this big free agent money. They didn't want to go out there and panic and unload the war chest, every single thing at one time to build through a specific trade. Like the Celtics were patient. We know the Warriors have been patient. The Knicks, I feel like there's something coming and they're not going to be patient. And they weren't just going to take this lottery pick that they could have had in stride and just continue to build depth. To the draft, and, and and I'm I'm concerned for Knicks fans. Albert and Alex were a little bit concerned on on the stream last night. I I feel for all of the Knicks fans out there, and for all that Stephen A. Smith can say some things that you and I might not agree with from an evaluation standpoint. I think that's more the message he was trying to get across on ESPN first take this morning is that at some point you have to be a little patient and you have to look to build a team the right way. And I'm. I think this is more just a philosophical question that I wanted to start out with. What are, what are your thoughts after having a little bit of time to reflect on the Knicks and what they're doing? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's funny because now like doing this pod with you this morning, this is the first time I'm kind of like in depth looking at everyone's decision, everyone's haul, like, and when the Knicks decision happened, you know, we were, we were doing the stream. So it was, I was just kind of like, my goodness. Okay. I'll, that's going to be something I'm going to be thinking about for the next Nobody could even keep track of all the trades. Yeah. I mean, all, we're going to be at Summer League and still be talking about this decision because yeah. that's also when free agency is going to be happening. So just bear with me, folks, because now I'm, I'm really just struggling. Oh, I, I want to get you going. I want to wind you up with this Knicks talk to start, and then you're just going to be on your way for the rest yeah. of the Yeah. Well, well, here's. I'm a big believer of building through the draft. I think I understand every fan base. Um, you don't want to wait. You want it to happen quicker. You don't want to wait multiple years for your team to get back to this, you know, 
foundation of like, okay, we, we're going to be contending for the playoffs every year. Knicks fans, they're some of the most passionate fans in the league. And, and they don't want to wait. They want to be, you know, they just got teased one year of getting to the playoffs, making some noise. And then they just had a disappointing year the following season, which I'm not trying to say I know everything because I don't, but I was not that surprised because it was a young team that wildly overachieved and then got the attention of the rest of the league. Like, Oh, okay. We got to take you serious. And then the next year they just struggled because they were young and they made some moves in free agency. And, and I didn't love them, but I understood why they did it. And, and now it backfired and they're kind of stuck with some contracts. The trade strange. Um, I, I haven't looked at all the, pro, you know, the protections. I know you're still getting a, now multiple rolls of the dice when it comes to getting some good draft yeah. value. But, you know, the, the first one, I, I kind of understood it. And then when they took Duran and traded him, I was like, what's going on? Like what? Because it was just like, you're, you're doing that to get rid of Kemba. You got to build through the draft. And, and now it feels like the Knicks are all in on this idea of if adding Brunson. But it's like, if you don't, and Dallas has said they're going to try to keep him. Yeah, and Mark Cuban's not yeah, worried so about paying what, the what if you can't get Jalen Brunson? What if he stays in Dallas? Then, then what? What are you going to do with all that cap space, New York? And and even, listen, even even if they do get Jalen Brunson, right? Where is where is Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle getting you in the playoffs? Right. Where is that honestly getting you? I mean, they got to get rid of Randle. I, I, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. They have to get rid of Randle. It is time to let Obi Toppin run wild, and and I don't. You took him in the lottery. This is time for you to find out what you got. And um, I know Randall had that outstanding year. It was awesome for him. But last year was a bit all over the place. I would think you have to get rid of him. Brunson is one of my favorite guys in the league. But there's no guarantee he's going to be a stud starting point guard. So are you going all in on that? And if their backup to Brunson is going after someone like Kyrie Irving, my goodness, would that be the worst idea imagine? ever? Can you freaking imagine? I, th I think it's actually on the table. That's like the crazy thing. I think it's legitimately on the table. I mean, I think Knicks fans would welcome Kyrie Irving to to a certain regard with, with open arms because he's the box office star at the guard spot that they just haven't had. But, like, I I, I can't I can't for the life of me figure out how, how Jalen Brunson – and he's a good player. It's not like we're telling the Knicks to not bring him on, but I – this whole pop and circumstance, the recruitment trail is seeming to be going on now for like a year. Like I, I just don't know where it's going to get you. And I understand all the different connections in the backlog, Leon Rose, only like, I, I just don't know where it's, where it's going to get the New York Knicks. And, and we're not, I'm not saying that Jalen Duren is going to be the savior for the New York Knicks either, but like, he's, he's another young guy you could have had in the fold to keep stockpiling legitimate young assets to maybe flip to go get that big fish that you want. Like, even if you are going to save up the war chest to make the big trade, you have to have things in the war chest to be able to move. What do the Knicks really have in the war chest? They don't want to give up RJ Barrett, like quickly top in, like a, a, a future first round pick or two. Like, is that really going to be enough to go get whoever they want? Like, I know draft picks is cool, but I think teams want draft picks, but also young players who they can continue to build around if they're moving off a star. And Duran's one of those guys who could have been attractive to another team. Even Usman Jang, to to an extent, could have been attractive to another team. So I don't know. I just 
it's not just about the picks and the money. You have to have players available to, to be able to do something with build around or, or move off of at some point. And I just, I don't see that from the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to be fascinated to see what they do. They have to have a plan this off season. And, and if that plan is going all in on Brunson, that's, that's a gamble. And also like I, I've been throughout the year of one lower on Duran, but I kind of like that idea of them adding him. So now are you getting rid of Duran and re-signing Mitchell Robinson, which Mark Stein's thrown around that that's expected to happen. And I understand every, every Knicks fan loves to go to bat for, for Mitch. He can play. 20 plus when, million for Mitch Robinson. Are you kidding he, me? He can, he can play when he's healthy, but he right. keeps getting hurt every year. Exactly. Bingo. So availability and, is the best. Ability. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's like, that's why I was so intrigued with the idea of, of New York adding Duran or Mark Williams and people were calling me crazy, but I was like, you're getting a cheaper version that might be healthy yeah. and stay on the court. If you're about to give Mark Williams, I'm not, I'm not paying, I'm not paying Mitch Robinson 25. No, excuse, and I said it. Mark Williams. I mean, if you're about to give Mitch Robinson more than 15 million a year with, with his injury concerns, years, like, so what if you do that miss out on Brunson and you have the same team and you can't get rid of Randall. Like what, are, what's their plan? There we go. So, exactly. That's why I thought that 11th pick was so important because they could have, like, I would have loved to seen a Baji there. I think people would have given him crap, but I thought that would have been like, you know what? That's a smart move. Like that's getting another asset. And they have some young guys that I'm excited to see this year. Quentin Grimes. I still think Miles McBride could take a big step for that team and that rotation. Um, but we're going to wait and see. Summer League is going to be fun because free agency is going to be starting and we're going to be talking about it all the time. And But wow. I mean, it was just kind of like a, what are they, what's going on? But um, yeah, wow, Nathan. I, I mean, I can't wrap my head around it. And, and all that to unload Kemba's contract where it's like, boy. They could have also, they could have also thrown the kitchen sink at basically everything but R.J. Barrett, who could have tried to get the fourth overall pick from the Kings, too, who didn't end up taking Jay Nivey. They, I guess they just sat there and they're like, if we don't see an offer that we want to take, we're just going to take Keegan Murray. We're going to take the guy who we feel has some upside but fits best with the core that we're trying to build around. And that that's that. They, did, they didn't do that move either. I think a lot of New York fans would have wanted to see that move happen. But any any thoughts on Trevor Keels? Going to the Knicks, he seems he seems a little redundant to me with um, having Grimes there already. I don't know which one of those two is going to be the better long term rotational piece for for the Knicks. Any any thoughts on Kills? That, that he's one of your boys. Yeah, I'll, I'll give some positivity now because I actually do like the Kills value in the second round. I think this is a guy that if he went back, he could have gone way earlier. Um, ESPN listed him as a forward. That ain't going to happen. So I'll, I'll let everyone know right now. He's going to be a backcourt. He's going to be a pest. He's going to be a dog. Um, yep. it, this is your hope is he turns into that Marcus Smart type of gadget player in the rotation where he's, he's big, he's tough, he makes energy plays. He's super young. So yep. this is a lot of upside still. And, and when Keels is rolling, he can seriously impact the game. Now, every everyone – like that isn't the draft community uh, on our no ceilings team. That isn't Knicks fans like classic Tibbs taking keels. It has a chance to be a really, really good pick, but it's just shocking with, with what they did in the first round that we're going to focus on that. But I, I like the kills addition. I thought that was good value. I thought he was a guy that could have 
snuck into the end of the first round. Um, I think he's going to a good place. There, he's got the talent. He's got the tools. He's just gotta, you know, be more consistent. But you go watch the beginning of the year when when they played Kentucky. I mean, he gave Ty Ty Washington hell. So he sure did. There's talent there, and, and he's got the size to be a physical defensive pest. So I like it. But um, I wanted to give every Nick fan a hug last night because they looked like they needed it. So Albert was just a mess. I, I felt so bad for him, but that um, that I think that dude dropped a little bit of a load in his pants when he saw the Jang pick, and then yeah. the, the Jang pick got moved. But yeah, I uh, I feel for Knicks fans. I wanted to lead off the show with them. Now now we're going to seemingly get back into an order yeah. going through each conference. But I, I had to get some thoughts off my chest. I I. I Praying for Knicks fans. I'm not going to get down on my knees on this podcast in front of you like Stephen A. and and, and Spike, but yeah, I, man, what what a situation. But let's 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 get positive. Let's yeah, let's, let's do let's do what we actually do on the Draft Deeper podcast, which is be positive about the NBA draft. The Orlando Magic had the first overall pick last night. I said on my initial reactions pod, I kind of recounted how that night was going leading up to that pick. We're all sitting there. Listen, the lines, the betting lines were shifting for about 48 hours. Eventually, Paolo ended up passing Chet in odds to go number one. Then it seemed like he was basically in a dead even heat with Jabari Smith. And you're starting to hear some murmurs leading up to 8 o'clock last night. And all of a sudden, you pop into our group chat, and you're like, guys, is this really going to happen? And lo and behold, it happened. Paolo Bencaro went to the Orlando Magic number one overall. I've given my thoughts about Paolo, number one, to Orlando. I legitimately thought he was the best fit at number one overall to, to that team. He he gives them something that they do not have on the roster right now. Apologies to Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner is not the number one option um, on, on an offense that Paolo Vincaro can be for that team. And then defensively, you have every other position around Paolo to cover up some of those defensive forts. You have Fultz and Suggs in the backcourt. You have Franz Wagner next to him in the forward spot. You have Wendell Carter in the front court. Like that lineup can be so good defensively. And now you have a guy who can get his own shot and make everybody else around him better at six foot ten. I God, I love that pick. I'm so glad that Orlando stuck to their guns, regardless of what happened. And it seems like they went and got their guy. And then pick 32. I don't know how much analysis we're gonna give on Caleb Houston, but he is the second round guy they got as well. He he did not get his first round promise. He slipped to the second round. But I think I think that's gonna be a good spot for Caleb Houston. Literally as as you and I were talking about last night when it was our turn on the stream when that pick happened. Z- zero pressure situation for Caleb Houston. He can just come in and improve. But the people want to hear about pick number one Rucker. What what are your thoughts on Palavin Caro actually going number one in Orlando? I need to thank you first because what you did with starting out with the Knicks, you you were right spot on. Now I'm ready to rock. I wound, and, I wound you up, baby. Oh, Here we you, go. You wound me up, but <laughs> um. So uh, I will say this: all year I had Chet number one on my board. Um, all the draft cycle, the last couple of mock drafts at no ceilings, we've been putting Jabari at one. We were buying into it. We we've even been saying we would have taken Chet. This was the best pick for Orlando was taking yep. Paulo. This was like, I was like, man, it makes all the sense in the world. Why wouldn't they do it? Like what's going yep. on? 
And then you, I started asking around, and I was like, is, is there bad intel with Paulo? Why, why doesn't Orlando like him? Because this is what they need. They need the guy they can give the ball and be like, give us a bucket. Like, they've, they've needed it. And I was like, this is probably my favorite fit for Paulo besides, you know, going to Houston. I just said, Orlando needs him. And it's funny because uh, a couple of days before the draft, like, I, I was listening to the, the low post and Zach Lowe and – Gavoni were talking about how like Orlando was trying to get Paulo in and Paulo kept saying, no, like, I don't want to, I don't want to work out there. I don't think I'm going there. So he kept delaying his workout yeah. because he's like, I'm not going to go there. And uh, I don't even think he got in the building, but it just shows you Orlando ran a clinic of just the stealth mode of like, this is our guy. Balls right? acknowledged yes. in, in Orlando. Yeah. So I love it. I, I think this is a great fit for them. Like you're saying, um, you know, just because I had Chet number one, didn't that doesn't mean I don't think another guy could go the first pick. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like when Orlando won that first pick, I was like, man, Paulo's got a real conversation to go there because that might be my favorite fit for him because that's what they need. They need offense. They have the backcourt. Franz looks like he's going to take another huge step his second year. Wendell Carter was great last year, like you're saying. Now they got another offensive bucket getter at the four. And I really liked Caleb Houston. I thought that was a good pick in the second round. Um, that's just good depth. And, and yeah. Houston won't have to score a bunch. He can impact that team in a rotation with his passing, with his cutting. So Orlando had a great night. I, I mean, I think it was one of the more underrated nights. And, and just getting Caleb Houston, who we thought was going to be a top 20 pick at the beginning of the year, you get him in the second round. There's still a ton of upside. So I love Paulo going there. I, I think that was a great, great night for Orlando. And last two drafts, you know, they're building through the draft. And we haven't even mentioned Jalen Suggs, who I think is going to be a sophomore breakout candidate. Great, great pieces now in Orlando. They got their guy. They got their number one option. I think the argument that a lot of people wanted to make for Paolo leading up to the draft is, how can you not want to take Paolo number one overall? We literally just watched the playoffs and we watched a guy like Jason Tatum be that number one wing scorer who can just make everything happen for his team from a scoring perspective, from a shooting perspective, from a passing perspective. He made it all happen for the Boston Celtics at the end of the day. And now the magic finally have a guy. They, they, they've, they haven't had a guy like Paolo Vincaro in a long time. I mean, shit since what going back to Penny Hardaway is the last time they probably had something close to him. So yeah, I, I think Magic fans got to be pumped with, with what happened on draft night. I certainly would be excited. We're As I said, we're going to move through the Eastern Conference first, and then we'll get through the Western Conference. We'll go in order by top pick. So that means we're moving to the Detroit Pistons next. This this is going to be one of our favorite halls uh, on draft night. This was a Troy Weaver. Speaking of running a master class on how you do the NBA draft, there are a few teams we could say that about in particular, but – Detroit's one of those teams. So pick number five, Jay Nivey falls to them. They scoop him right up. You, we, we've heard all the buzz dating back to early this, this, this draft cycle that the, the Pistons were enamored by Jay Nivey. They would consider taking him with the top two pick, let alone a top five pick. They get their guy. Then they swoop in in all the trade action and end up getting Jalen Duran at, at, at pick 13. It was when he was selected. Pick 36, a draft pick that they acquired from Portland. They go get Gabrielle Prochita, one of the favorites 
here yes. in those ceilings and then a reported undrafted free agent Charlie Moore out of Miami. But really, we could focus on the top. We could focus on the lottery guys primarily. I'm sure we'll get some Cheetah thoughts in, but they get Jay Nivey. They get one of the best backcourt fits that they could have possibly found in this draft with Kate Cunningham. You have a guy who can change a whole bunch of gears, slow down, play a little bit of that mid-range, show some of that craft in Kate Cunningham. And then you have Jay Nivey, who is the exact opposite. That man wants to go, go, go. He can explode to the basket, all the rim pressure. He's, he's going to be allowed to apply him being able to drive and kick to some of their shooters, even Kate Cunningham as he continues to improve in that regard as a catch-and-shoot guy. Those two bring different ends of the spectrum offensively to the Pistons, and they can go a bunch of different ways with lineups. They, they are going to complement each other so well. Rucker, the Duran thing fascinates me. The reason why it fascinates me, are we sure the Pistons are still out of the, the DeAndre Aiden sweepstakes? Are we positive they're still out of the sweepstakes? Hey, hear me out on this. What if they went and, and did this to be involved in kind of like a, a pseudo double double sign and trade with the Phoenix Suns? Now, now there's a moratorium on when a deal like that could actually happen, it's a certain amount of time after that rookie contract was signed by Duran. But the Pistons have some assets. They have some young guys. They'll have the cap space to be able to, to bring in a contract like DeAndre Aydins and, and manage that reasonably. Talk about playing chess, not checkers, potentially. I, I know it's a conspiracy theory. Tinfoil hat at this point. But the Suns do not want to pay DeAndre Aydin that contract. We know they don't want to pay him that contract. Boy, would it not be fun to go get a replacement guy for Aiden on a rookie contract, somebody like Duran, who would he be asked to do a ton for the Phoenix Suns? He'd be asked to do all the things we know that he can do right now. There wouldn't be pressure for him to develop further in the short term. Just go out there and do what we know you can do and be that replacement level center, quote unquote, on a cheap contract for the Suns. The Pistons could still still get the guy they've been targeting for a while now, or at least what we've heard in DeAndre Aiden. Even if that doesn't happen, I still think Duran is one of those young guys who want to build a core around him, Ivy and Cade long term. I mean, this is this whole draft for the Pistons, like I said, was an absolute masterclass. Tin foil theory had a side, tin foil hat theory aside. What 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 do you think? What do you think about what the Pistons did on draft day? I absolutely loved it. Um, I think Troy Weaver is becoming Hannibal Lecter Bravo. on draft yeah. night. Um, it was just so impressive. I, I think they're going to keep Duran. I think this was one of Weaver's guys, and he said, "How can I get? How can I get Ivy? And how can I get my other guy?" And he got both of them, and he, and he's going to work. Here's my here's, and I'm sorry, Knicks fans, but this is why I'm frustrated because Weaver's doing exactly what you want to do with a rebuild. Yeah, team. damn straight he is. He's yeah. he's doing exactly like this is just perfect. Him and Sam Presti running laps right now. Um, last year they draft Cade, so they got their they've got they their guard, their of the, yep. they got their franchise building block. They get a guy in the later part of this draft last year that I think is going to be a huge piece this year um, in the rotation, Isaiah Livers, who I'm still really high on. Um, Catch a shoot, baby. Yep. Yes. This year, he he gets another piece in Jaden Ivey. Now they have a nasty backcourt to build with. Um, he, he traded Grant, got some, some cap relief. 
And then he goes and gets a, a potential building block in, in the paint. And, and you think Duran needs to play with the higher motor? Like Isaiah Stewart will show him how to play with a high motor. That's so that's the a, tandem though, right? Yes. That's that's a cheap center tandem, right? Yes. The amount of money they're paying both of those guys. Like that's your that's your platoon. And you can go whatever you need on any specific night. Duran's a more switchable big than, than somebody like Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart can play and drop coverage. You can do some of the depending on what you need at, at any given point. You have your center platoon for cheaper half the price than what the Knicks could possibly bring back Mitchell Robinson for. They got two guys. Yeah. So, I mean, and then they get Prochita in the second round. I, I mean, and I think Prochita's got a shot to, to really be a nice piece for this team. Like we've been very high on him at no ceilings, but he's got the talent. He's yeah. got the talent and, and you know, we're, we haven't even brought up Sadiq Bay. So he's building pieces he's adding assets and i just thought detroit did a fantastic job because duran has the upside but he needed to go to a team that's going to be patient with his development because he's going to be 18 years old when he plays the first nba game he goes to detroit he's going to be a perfect piece because it's going to be simplified for him early on because he's not going to be asked to do a lot just i thought it was an outstanding night by weaver he he, he maneuvered the board he got his guys Ivy and Cade is going to be really fun to watch develop. And, and I'm excited to see what the Pistons keep doing. I think they're just doing the long road approach where it's, you need to just keep chipping away each year, get your guys, trust your scouting department, trust the process. Um, you know, I, I just absolutely loved their night. I was like, that's what you do. You let the board fall to you, but you also be aggressive and go get your yeah, guys. Go get your guys. Yes. We've talked about that so much. I'm a big believer. Go get your guys. And and he got his guy at five and he said, I'm not done. I, I want one more. Let me go get my other guy. And he got Duran. And, and that's also why I, I'm a big believer too of like, if you can give up future assets to get someone you believe in right now and, and make all of a sudden a great night with Jaden Ivey is like a, a special night with getting two guys in the lottery. That's what he did. So um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I love it too. And shout, shout out to the Detroit Pistons fans. Shout out to Molly Hunter from the Overstate NBA group on Facebook, the best Detroit Pistons fan. I know she should be incredibly happy with what Trey Weaver did on draft night. Let's, let's move a little bit. Let's go to, the Indiana Pacers, one pick later after the Jay Nivey selection, they took Arizona's own Benedict Matherin to fill out their wing spot. Then at pick 31, they snuck in and they got Andrew Nemhard. Then a little bit later on with a trade, trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves, they ended up getting Kendall Brown for Baylor, a guy who they're going to take a second-round flyer on him. I don't foresee him playing real minutes in, in Indiana next year, but I, I could always be surprised. The meat potatoes for the Pacers is that pick number six. It's Matherin. I think he fits really well with what they're going to ultimately try and do with that team. We know that Tyrese Halpern's going to have the keys, and Chris Duarte is going to be manning one of those wing slash guard spots next to him. And then you bring in Matherin, who does the opposite of what Chris Duarte does. Chris Duarte and Halpern, to an extent, they're very methodical players. Slow it down. Let's kind of pick and choose our spots. Matherin's just he, – he's that explosive athlete, right? He's going to get to the basket. He's going to cut. He's going to be a vertical lob there along the baseline. He's going to run out the floor in transition. And then when things do need to slow down in the half court, he's a catch-and-shoot threat. 
He's a one-two dribble pull-up guy. These are things that we know he can do. Is he an elite live dribble creator? No, but I think he did make strides last year in keeping the ball moving off a live dribble, getting it to where it needs to go, and limiting mistakes, limiting turnovers, and he's a dog. We know he's going to bring everything that Indiana Pacers fans love in a basketball team. He's tough-minded. He's hard-nosed. He wants to play defense. I think it's a great pick at number six for the Pacers. We could have had a few guys who went after him who we could have argued for that pick, but at the end of the day, this was the buzz we were hearing. We had heard for quite a while the Pacers wanted Matherin at six. It happened. Talk to me about the Pacers draft record. What are your thoughts? I really like it. I I, I know Indiana was one of the most popular teams heading up into the draft when it came to rumblings about trades. Um, I think Turner and Brogdon could be on the move next couple of weeks or, you know, when free agency starts, the new, the new year starts. So that team could be rebuilding on the fly a little bit, but Matherin's going to be a great running mate with, with Halliburton. Sure is. And Halliburton has sensational vision as a playmaker Matherin is dangerous as a cutter. They're going to have plenty of fun playing together in transition and, and backdoor cuts. Like they're, they're going to be great little combinations. So I like that fit a lot. I just think this is a nice draft by the Pacers. Nemhart's going to be great depth. Um, a smart Rick Carlisle player. Like he, he's going to be exactly yes, what sir. the Pacers need in the rotation. And then Kendall Brown at 48 is great value because there's no denying he has the talent and the upside. He just needs some time to, to get some confidence. Maybe they throw him in the G league a little bit just to get him some run, but there's talent there. So you're talking about getting a guy that could potentially start and, and Matherin um, for the future. Then you get Nemhard as great depth. And I, I've been saying, I think Nemhard's one of the more underrated guards in this class, just because he can do pretty much a, a variety of roles that you ask him. He's just one of those guys of like, what do you need me to do? All right, I'll take care of it. And, and I think that's valuable in the NBA. So um, what about you, Nathan? Did you did you like what they did? I I asked you a question on the stream last yeah. night. I I don't I don't hate the Andrew Nembhard selection. Right, right. I'm just still a little surprised that Kennedy Chandler didn't go ahead of somebody like 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 Andrew Nembhard. And and you were kind of you you were I think you were a, a little surprised, but you definitely weren't shocked do, do, do you think that Nembhard was definitely the right backup point guard pick if that's the direction they wanted to go and pick 31 yeah I, I think some teams are going to look at Kennedy and just be like hey we don't want to gamble on the lack of size Nembhard's from 6'4 6'5 and he showed he could throughout his college career he took on various roles and and thrived yeah. and then he goes to Gonzaga and and sacrifices his points per game and he still has the ability to turn it on. I mean, you saw at the combine, he played one game, he had 26 points and 11 assists. And you don't put up those numbers at the combine. Like people do not do that. So yeah. he's got game, he's got talent. And, and I really do think like, if you're looking for a backup um, rotation guy, that could be a really, really nice piece. I think Nemhart's got that potential. Um, I, I think that's great value. I, I thought he was going to go, very end of the first round. Instead, Indiana jumps all over him in the second. So I like that. The Washington Wizards at pick number 10. Yeah, they did it. And we got some crap on social media about it for no ceilings. But I was just like, what do you, hey, what do you want from us? They Listen, the Wizards went. They got, they got the guy that was mocked to them in so many different scenarios. Johnny Davis at pick number 10 out of Wisconsin. But no ceilings owned. 
Johnny Davis. Pick 54, they got Yannick Sosa, who I, I didn't even know he was going to get drafted, to, to be perfectly honest. But the, the Wizards were the team that signed up, took the late second-round flyer. Like, screw it, we'll, we'll bring him on. I think uh, Tommy Shepard already said drafting stash guy. That, that, that's fine. Let him continue to develop overseas. But really the focus is in on Johnny Davis. I think regardless of what happens with Bradley Beal, I think the Wizards obviously value Johnny Davis as the best player available on the board at that point. Go go get your guy. Go get your freaking guy. Don't worry about the fit with Bradley Beal in the short term, although I still think it's a good fit. Just, just go get your guy for the long haul. And regardless of what happens, Johnny Davis is one of those building blocks that you can look to. He's He's got more scoring chops, I think, to him, some more shooting chops to him than some people wanted to give him credit for before the draft. He's going to be one of those guys, Rucker, I think we're going to look back. He's going to be worth, like, top six, top seven value, kind of like how we all had him on our boards. Well, what do you think about the short-term fit with Bradley Beal if Beal is still in Washington? Because I – I like it. I, I really do. You know the ball is going to be in Beal's hands. We know that Johnny Davis is probably going to be better suited as like a second or third option on offense, not doing everything. He can come off the ball. He can come off screens. He can operate secondary actions, work some pick and roll from the top of the floor. But also on the defensive end, be that presence that, that Beal, Beal either isn't or he just doesn't want to be because he has to carry so much of an offensive load. Davis will go out there just like he did in Wisconsin and guard that other team's best backcourt player he'll do it every single night no questions asked every interview we saw leading up to the draft he talked about how he wanted to play defense he didn't really even want to answer a lot of questions about offense he wanted to prove to everybody i want to come in here and make a defensive impact in the nba from day one what, what do you think you know uh, we kept giving all the mock drafts crap when, when they just kept putting johnny davis at 10 and it wasn't because we didn't like him going there it was just more of like a this just seems like everyone's just doing this because he's he's on the board still. Yeah, of course I talked myself into Johnny Davis and Bradley Beal working. Like it, there's two; those are two dogs, and, and Johnny Davis getting to kind of be in the shadow of Bradley Beal is only going to be great for both parties because Davis is a competitor. Bradley Beal is going to know that right away. Um, like Davis will probably do everything in his power to give Bradley Beal fits defensively in camp. It's going to be hilarious, but that's just the guy he is. He, he's going to be a grinder. Um, I, I still like the idea because, because Davis has the upside to be a dangerous player in the NBA. And now all of a sudden you're putting that next to Bradley Beal, which I do think Beal's going to resign. Um, it'll be fascinating to see if that actually does happen, but that's the rumblings. I like it. I, I, I really do. Um, I just I thought he was going to go a little earlier because I just thought someone was going to be very very excited about the tools and he and he could have but it was just a crazy draft with some of these guys slipping down I still thought he could have gone uh, nine right ahead to to San Antonio but yep. I've I bought myself into Johnny at at Washington and I think they're going to get a guy that in, in a couple of years we're going to be like man he should have gone earlier like they just got a, a dog a great piece and it's going to be fun to watch him continue to develop in Washington. And the, the dude gets buckets. At the end of the day, yep. the dude gets buckets. How how many times do we look back in the playoffs and just think, man, we wish this team just had more guys who could just get their own shot? And regardless of how you feel about Johnny Davis's catch-and-shoot game from three-point range, he can make things happen off the bounce, especially just, get, just give him a screen. All he needs is one screen, and he was absolutely lethal off of those actions in college, surrounded by 
very little spacing. He's automatically going to have better spacing in Washington. When you factor in, Beal can obviously still shoot the long ball. You still got Kyle Kuzma in the fold. Corey Kispert showed that he was going to get better second half of the year. Spacing the floor for everything. They got shooters in Washington, or at least enough shooters at the moment. Davis is going to have more breathing room with that Wizards team than he's ever had at any other point in his career. So I, I still think Davis is going to flourish in, in Washington. I think he would have flourished wherever he went, but in Washington, I think he's going to have a, a tremendous career, at least the start of his career. We'll see what happens for him. The Charlotte Hornets did keep one of their lottery picks. They got Mark Williams. They got the big man that they needed. Finally, the Hornets take a true center in an NBA draft. And then at pick 40, they made a deal. They made a swap. They swooped in and got Bryce McGowan's. Good good friend of the program, by, by my accounts, Bryce McGowan's. I had a top 20 grade on him. So by my board alone, that's tremendous value. I think I think this is what the Hornets are doing. They went, they got their big man, they got their play finisher, they got their rim protector. But then with that 40th pick, they went and got, and got another guy who can get his own shot, a guy who we know can just get buckets. They still got James Booknight waiting in the wings. You know, everything that, the, everything we know about LaMelo Ball, he's either going to create something for himself or create for others. They're stacking a bunch of these guys who can go get their own shot. I love what Charlotte's – sneakily put together, I think with both picks, they got tremendous value. I think value is the key word. You could have talked yourself into Mark Williams being a top 10 pick. I mocked him as high as number nine, the San Antonio Spurs, and one of the mock drafts we did here on this podcast feed. Well, what do you think about the value specifically that Charlotte got on draft night? That was tremendous. Um, I thought it was a very underrated night. If you're a Hornets fan, you should be pumped out of your mind. Um Obviously, I've been very high on Mark Williams the whole year. We've been joking like this is we these were there was two favorite fits for me going into this draft. And it was Charlotte somehow getting Mark Williams and Cleveland getting Ochayabaji, which we'll talk about later. But it, yep. it, they both happened. And when when it was Mark Williams to Charlotte, I was like, there you go. You got it. You finally found your center to roll with for the future because high character um, intangibles just he's just a force down there because he's so dang big and lengthy and he's just a disruptor so Lamelo got it it has a lob threat now um yes he does yes they're gonna have a guy that really impacts the game and he's not gonna be this guy that needs to score 17 a game he just is gonna be a a disturber just do your job yes so I thought it was outstanding and then you know they were rumored to want to move one of those first. They've moved it, got an additional asset, but then they get McGowan's in the second, which is just a great value. Like you're saying, I mean, I thought he was going to end up potentially being a first rounder, you know, one of the first selections in the second and they get him where they got him. That's a great upside swing. That's yeah. a great piece That's that you exactly just keep bringing him. Yeah. Keep bringing them together. And he's got the toughness and ability to really put up some buckets in a hurry. So you groom McGowan's, you let him develop, get some confidence. Um, book night. I still think he's going to be motivated for year two. Yes, Charlotte's on the right path, but Mark Williams was a big addition. Very, very big for, for that team potentially taking that next leap or next step forward. Echoing the sentiment of building through the draft. That thing that we want to keep talking about. You, you mentioned this next guy's name. Pick number 14, the Cleveland Cavaliers took Oshai Abaji. They also got Khalifa Chop. 
at pick 39. They got Isaiah Mobley with pick 49, and they got Luke Travers, the 4-3 man out of Perth, with pick 56. Man, clearly they were not done drafting size, apparently. I don't know how many of these guys are actually going to be on the roster next year. I would imagine Jop and possibly even Travers could be drafting stash guys. I think Isaiah Mobley is probably going to compete for a roster spot. Ochai Abaji is really the big crowning jewel of this draft hall for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They they did not need to make an upside play. They have enough upside plays already on their roster. When we think about Garland still getting better, we know Mobley's going to keep getting better. Isaac Coro is probably still going to keep getting better. They just needed to get a guy who could shoot, who could who could go out there, get you buckets, catch and shoot guy, lethal catch and shoot guy. Similar with Mather, and he's a vertical lob threat along the baseline. And he's gonna he's gonna play tough. He's gonna play on defense. He's a high character guy. He fits in the locker room. Cleveland, they didn't need to do anything sexy. They didn't need, they didn't need to make a big splash. They just went and got a guy who was high on their board. What do you think about what the Cavs did the draft? Yeah, I, I thought it was exactly what they needed to like Cleveland took such a big step last year. Um, I know that they kind of tumbled at the end of the season, like down the rankings compared to where they were, but it was just some injuries and that everything like that but they were up there for the you know 80 percent of the year of making just a humongous step forward and i think fans and and you know media um we can get a, a f- just obsessed with this idea of like okay now that you're making that noise you need to take another swing to potentially really take a leap forward and it's like no just take another baby step forward keep moving the needle forward and Ibaji's an upperclassman. People were like, eh, is he the sexiest pick? No, he's not the sexiest pick, but he's exactly what teams need to keep getting better. It's perfect for Cleveland. It is exactly what he's need. He's a competitor. He's tough. He's going to do anything they want, and he can shoot the cover off the ball. He so I absolutely love it. Um, Mobley in the second round, I, it's funny that he went there with, like, with giving the hat tip to his brother, Evan Mobley, but Mobley can play. Like his yes, brother he can, can play. He's a very smart. I had him as a high forties grade yes. on my board. I moved him way up after talking with Coach Spins over the boxing world. And I've said before, like I could see him being a guy that they funnel in the G League for a while, but he could be a rotation asset that's just a really smart basketball player because he he doesn't need to score. He plays good defense, and he also just is a really smart decision. Like he he just does a lot of little stuff on the court that stands out. So. I liked it. High low game with Evan coming to Cleveland. The USC yes. show coming to Cleveland. Let's 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 rack it up. Let's I'm telling you, I, I I liked exactly their night. Um, Jop even you know just just a good little developmental piece as, as a big man and, and Travers in the, late in the draft who was making some noise overseas in the NBL. So just a good little good little haul. But Abaji's the the golden ticket to really keep building that depth, building that rotation, because they needed a floor spacer. They needed another shooter, and they got one. Speaking of taking who falls to you, A.J. Griffin, draft night slide. We we had no ceilings that heard some of the buzz earlier in the day that he might he might be a name who, who slides a little bit. And lo and behold, he did. He fell out of the lottery where he was projected for the vast majority of the year. Goes to the Atlanta Hawks at pit 16, who also, in, in a deal, picked up pick 51. They got Tyrese Martin, the G League camp standout out of UConn. But the conversation is about A.J. Griffin. I I don't know how he fits with the Hawks necessarily in the short term. I don't know how many minutes he's going to play for the team, but I think the question more so, Rucker, that I'll touch on with the Hawks is, are you surprised 
that AJ Griffin fell as far as he did 16? A little, not entirely, but a little. Um, yeah. Me and you had talked before the draft, Nathan. Like we, I feel like we were getting some rumblings that it might it might have been happening. There was always some weird stuff about like, is the medicals bad? There was always that rumblings, and it was like, okay, is anyone really going to put their foot out and say that it was, or are we just throwing this annoying little tidbit like forty eight hours before the draft? Um, I'm not too surprised because I think there's just a lot of front offices that still have some questions about the versatility, but like Atlanta, great job jumping all over him. 16. Um, I mean, Cor- yeah. our own Corey Tulliba had him as high as third Yeah. on his final big board. So talk about just getting value, bringing up that word value at 16. It, it's, it's exactly what Atlanta should do. Now, obviously we were making the joke the whole off season or, or preparation for the draft of like Atlanta needs to get some help on defense. AJ might not be ready to be the dominant <laughs> lockdown defender right away, but nobody's is... Trey Young's going to be smiling ear to ear, seeing AJ Griffin standing in the corner, ready to catch and shoot. Yes. And there's upside there still. I still think yep. he's got incredible upside as a isolation creator. I think he's got some wiggle. That's really special. Um, I think a lot of people are fascinating about like, is the athleticism ever going to come back? I think he's going to be fine. Um, I still believe that's great value for, for the Hawks there. Um, and, and they're supposed to be an active team this offseason. We'll see what happens and what their roster looks like. But getting a floor spacer um, to play alongside Trey Young, it's great value for them. And, and you know, you got to be pumped about a guy that we all thought was going top 12 for sure, maybe top 13 at worst, and you get him at, at 16. I mean, this was a preseason top five pick. You get him at 16 – you got to be excited. Every year, there's one of these guys who just slides way further than we initially anticipated. AJ, AJ was that guy. I, I There were a few other slides that I'm sure we'll get to at a later point in this podcast that, that did surprise me. This one, I agree with you. It didn't surprise me a ton, but it's the prime example of every year. This, this situation always happens to at least one player. And this is this is the slide that happened. AJ Griffin pick 16. Love the pickup by the Hawks. We will move through these other teams in the Eastern Conference. We'll we'll try and move through them a little bit rapid fire so we can circle back around, get to the Western Conference, and spend some more time in the lottery picks in the Western Conference. But Chicago Bulls, man, Corey got his team to take one of his guys. Dale and Terry pick 18 out of Arizona. Rucker, I know that you ended up getting pumped about Terry, especially as Arizona kept on racking up wins in the Pac-12. This is this is value. This is filling out that guard quartet. Who wants to play the Chicago Bulls backcourt uh, at any given night defensively? If everybody's healthy, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Dale and Terry, Io Desumu, holy smokes the defense that that team can trot out in the backcourt at any given point with some offensive upside. And then undrafted free agent signing as of right now, Justin Lewis out of Marquette, another, another guy who you were talking about him as like a high thirties type of pick. He ends up going undrafted. They swoop in agents. were talking bulls end up picking up a really nice asset on, on a cheap contract signing. At least that's what we will anticipate. What do you, what do you think about what the Bulls went and did on draft night, prioritizing and seeing that they needed some more defense at some certain positions? They have offensive guys in DeMar and Zach Levine and Vucevic 
they need to solidify that defense to go out there and especially maybe not at least immediately this year, but certainly next year. Give some of these good teams in the Eastern Conference some problems on the defensive end. What do you think? I really like their night. Um, you know, Terry was the guy that we thought was going to go back to Arizona and then he was buzzing throughout the, the whole pre-draft process. He was supposed to be having like a really good, you know, entire evaluation. I, I think he was just buzzing around the league. So he kept his name in and I was like, okay, you're keeping your name in. You must be feeling you're probably a top 20 pick. And I liked Chicago taking him. I think that's a great little addition. He's just a high energy. He's going to walk in and just light that. Motivate room, everybody around him. Yep. Yeah. And it, he just is, he's a talker. He's a, he's a, he's going to be a high energy guy in that locker room. They're going to love him. And, and he plays the way that way or plays the game that way. And Bulls fans are going to go crazy for him. Uh, I really like that. I think that's a great, another great piece to add, to continue to develop in that backcourt. That backcourt's nasty. Like that, yeah. that, they could roll out different lineups and just piss you off. So Justin Lewis is an undrafted free agent. I'm still just shocked. Um, that's probably one of the guys I'm going to try to ask around about because I'm just a little surprised because I really like the tools. Um, he needs to work consistently defensively. He needs to flip that switch to get tune in. But the strides he took on offense, just his size, his frame, he's he's a bully. And, and he, sure is. Really, he took strides as an outside shooter last year. I like his game a lot. I really do think he could stick. I think this is a guy that, yeah, he went undrafted, but I think he could he could be a part of that rotation would not shock me. But, uh, yeah, I'm just shocked. I, ju I just really am surprised that he went undrafted. But heck of a night for the Bulls. I think they got some good pieces. Speaking of rapid fire, the Philadelphia 76ers, my hometown team, did not make a selection at 23. They traded that pick along with Danny Green for the Anthony Mellon, which I'm sure I can get into some of that analysis with some other 76ers guys in the offseason. But undrafted free agent-wise, they did bring in Michael Foster, Julian Champagny, and Aminu Muhammad was just announced not, not long before we started recording this podcast. So, I guess my rapid-fire question to you, Rucker, out of those three guys, which one do you like the, the most as a potential pickup for Philly? Um, you know, I know how you feel about Michael Foster, so I did a little fist pump for Nathan uh, yes, when that news yes. came out. I really like the Champagne edition. I thought that was probably one of the more underrated ones that it would not shock me if he – like he, I think he got a two-way. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think he did as well. I don't have that in front of me, but I think he did. It would not shock me if that two-way's ripped up pretty early in the year where they give him a contract because I think that's something they need in the rotation, even if he's just a guy they bring along. But Champagne can light it up, and, and the Sixers can use guys that could really get hot from outside um, in the rotation. So it would not shock me if – you never know with the, go, those guys. All they do is – get a little run in the G league and light mm -hmm. the net on fire. And then the team's like, okay, we might be able to use this in our rotation. So um, I thought it was, I was shocked he didn't get drafted, but I understand with a lot of these guys, cause this was a deep draft class and there was going to be some guys that just simply didn't get drafted. This did, is what happens. Did Michael Foster earn his 76ers undrafted free agent spot because of his play on the set of hustle? Is that what happened there? A little little Adam Sandler scouting got 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 in there that last game in the movie and impressive scouts. I I don't know. That's that's it seems 
seems what it looks like to me. But he's going after my uh, little underrated sleeper last year, Charles Bassey. So I need Michael Foster to leave him alone. I love Mason Bassey. <laughs> so so do I. And uh, oh god, uh, I I need a therapy session with the, with the Philadelphia 76ers. I just need like a therapy session podcast. I said that Chuck. Maybe I'll get Chuck on. Maybe I'll get. Um, one of my good guys from the rights to Ricky Sanchez back on. We'll we'll see what happens in the offseason. But yeah. Milwaukee Bucks, Marjan Beauchamp at pick 24, uh, Gui Santos and Hugo Basome in, in multiple late second round deals, and then undrafted free agent Iverson Molinar. Beauchamp's really the prize uh, of all those picks in, in the draft. I I think it's a perfect fit. I don't think Bucks fans should be disappointed in the slightest. He Literally what his game is, is the embodiment of what the Bucks do well on the court. Talk about drafting for team identity, just finding guys who you feel can be the best player available on your board, who also fit every single thing your team's about from a culture standpoint. Love it. What do you think about Beauchamp? You know, for, for Milwaukee Bucks fans listening, if you've fallen in love with what Bobby Portis does, Bochamp is going to be that exact same feeling for you. He's he's everything but the crazy eyes, I think, right? Yeah, everything. It doesn't have the same crazy eyes. It's just, I'm saying like that impact <laughs> that you'll fall in love with his hustle, his energy. Um, he, he showed real signs throughout the G League the whole year. It was one of those guys that just was like, he, he was trending potentially as a lottery pick at one point. And he kept slipping down boards a tiny bit. And it was more of like, is he doing anything wrong or is it just because we're getting more intrigued with guys after processing all of this film throughout the entire season? And I think that's just what happened. And, and I think getting him at 24 for a playoff team, we always said if, if he went to a playoff team, that's going to be the best for him and that team because yep. he's a garbage man. He can, he can clean up stuff right away. He He's going to impact the game with his hustle and creating second opportunities and he can get after it defensively. So I liked him going to Milwaukee a ton. I thought if someone tried to draft him way too early, it could be a rude awakening. But I thought if he went to a playoff team, it was going to be awesome for, for him and, you know, the team that selected him. Him going to Milwaukee, they just got another guy that's going to be a pest in that rotation. So I loved it. 2024 is very fair value for Marjan Beauchamp. Even more fair value. I know that that word's going to keep being used in this podcast. But at 27, the Miami Heat, we do not have to worry about Jovic and Jokic being mixed up on national air. He, he avoided the Denver Nuggets at 21. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Robert. you, basketball gods. Thank the, you very much. Nicole Jovic is now with the Miami Heat. Undrafted free agent signees, potentially Jamari Bouye, as well as Bryce Hamilton at a UNLV. Jovic, 27. Rucker, I, I like it. With P.J. Tucker out the door, they're going to need another combo forward who can shoot the ball a little bit, be a catch-and-shoot threat from the corners. All the other concerns you could have about Jokic's game, at the very least, I'm confident he can come in and offer some catch-and-shoot versatility with the Heat. What do you think about Jokic 27? It was funny because like during this one pick, I was like cooking dinner for my fiance, <laughs> and then I was like, they took Jovic? Like the You mean you really didn't did grab her some some top did she not want the taco bell that you grabbed? No, I saved that and I had it during the draft. I was a man <laughs> of my word. But um they took Jovic and I was like, I've been lower on Jovic, but I understand also when he got to a point in the draft, someone was like, Hey, there's too much upside here. We can't pass up on him. But I was like are they going to get rid of Duncan Robinson and, and replace him with Jovic? Do they really think this is going to be a fun time for all? But 
hey, be, being serious, that's a really nice swing. He's got serious size at, at, at 6'10". I think he even measured around 6'11 at the combine. And he can shoot the crap out of the ball. So, I mean, there's some tools. There's some playmaking upside. Um, He's got some nasty to him too, man. Like I asked nastiness. the question, does he fit heat culture? That, that dude wants to dunk over people, man. Like he is, he is a nasty guy. And I think he does fit what that heat culture embodies. Yeah, that might even be an article. Does Jovic feet, you know, match heat culture? <laughs> um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Bouye is a classic Miami Heat undrafted yes, he guy. Like he's going to somehow stick on that roster. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Jovic will be interesting. That'll be one I'm kind of monitoring because I'm gonna be like, what's their plan with him? Do they have a plan to just develop him over, you know, a year and change? Because Miami's usually pretty good at, at, at really getting these guys to you know, bring their best basketball out. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do with Jovic. Last three teams here in the Eastern Conference, then we'll then we'll get back to long-form talk. We'll unpack some of the lottery stuff in the Western Conference. Toronto Raptors pick 33. They got your loved guy. They got, I loved they, what they did. They got Christian Coloco, man. And then undrafted free agent, they got the, the, the Julian Champagne clone, in some people's eyes, the older version, Ron Harper Jr., God, the Toronto That's Raptors. The kicker. Yes. They just keep freaking winning, man. What, what, what did you think about what they did? I loved Coloco there. I think that's still a great spot for him and the Raptors because he is still a long way away from his best basketball. He's gotten so much better from his freshman year at Arizona. He was so raw, but there's there's been strides every year. And, and he's got soft hands. He knows how to play defensively. He plays hard. He's a competitor. Loved it. Getting Ron Harper Jr. as an undrafted yes. agent is just a classic Raptors move. That's We're going to look up, and he's going to all of a sudden be seventh or eighth in the rotation. And he's going to have one game next year where he scores like 25 points. We're all going to be like, oh, well, yeah, we could have told you that had the possibility of happening. Like, why, why wasn't he picked up by anybody? But, yeah, that's what he does. Well, they, Toronto does a great job of getting these guys too, and, and those are defensive assets with upside. Harper can, if he... He can move his feet on the perimeter, man. That dude slides his feet. I was shocked he didn't get drafted. Um, he he, so he slimmed down for the combine. He looked way better. I still think he eventually is going to stick for a long time in the league because he can guard multiple positions. He can shoot the ball from outside. So I like him going to Toronto. They're They're potentially seeing something long-term with him. And then Coloco, defensive rim protector with upside offensively. Toronto just keeps adding these defensive guys with upside. I love it. I'm, I'm glad I got some of your best positive thoughts. Into the no, we don't need to talk conference. about the next team. Oh, uh, we are. Oh, uh, we are. I, I had to do that because I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm about to unpack with, with the Boston Celtics taking hurts. J.D. Davidson to 50. I mean – you guys needed a point guard, right? Oh, you, we don't. You go into this, you figured you had to go get a point guard of some kind at some point. Well, pick fifty, look, pick fifty-three. You took a point guard. I don't know if he's the point guard I personally would have wanted. It's funny because the last team that I can bring up, undrafted free agent signing, Alondis Williams went to the Brooklyn Nets. Which one of those two would have you rather had? Given how the board fell, are you, are you going to talk yourself into J.D. Davison or would? What if you might have talked yourself into a better passer, in my opinion, in, in Alonis Williams? No, I mean, I, th- I thought they were going to go 
a couple different directions. And then Jay Billis just kept having like JD Davis and best available. And I was like, no, don't just keep showing me that over and over again. So, it's so not you're, are true. you blaming Jay Billis for? William yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand the thought process behind it because you're like, Hey, this is an explosive guy with a ton of upside. That's a long way away. Um, In all so, seriousness, you guys did need to go try and find another point guard at some point. Like, I think that we can agree that that was going to be a need at some point that they wanted to target. Yeah, and then they were rumbling of trying to go up into the first, but it's also like, what are you going to do? could have had Kennedy Chandler. He was sitting there for you on a platter. Don't. Could have made a deal. Stop it. Stop. You hurt my feelings <laughs> now. But um, I get taking the swing, um, you know. It was an interesting <laughs> that's swing. All, that's all we got. I was like, oh, are they going to take Justin Lewis and really make me happy? And then they didn't. And I was like, well, <laughs> why did we do this? I, I joked with um, some was, of the guys. Was that, was that the first Crown Royal shot you popped last night? Was when J.D. Davison was that pick? Was that, the, was that when you popped the first one or you waited a little bit? I mean, am I going to give like a Tatum really professional answer of dancing around the question right now? Or, or what's, you know. It's, come on. Like, it's, I can't, it's, it's no I can't deny or accept here. it, but, here. you know. Um, what, well, the funny thing was last night, I, we were talking after the stream and, and, uh, we were talking about Davison and the guys were giving me crap. And I said, my favorite part of the ESPN broadcast was Jay Billis goes to break down JV, JD Davison. And he's like, well, you know, he's going to have to figure out what he does good. And I was like, that's a, that's a great, uh, scouting report. Thank you, Jay oh Billis. My God. Every Celtics fan just oh literally turned God. off the I, TV. I, I, I wasn't watching the ESPN broadcast at that point. He really said that. He really I, said that on national. I, I might have not, maybe not quote for quote, but it was pretty basically unbelievable. along those lines that like he he doesn't even know really what JD Davidson was. That yeah, was that that's that's hysterical. It was just it was just special, but that's funny. Um, no, and and then it was funny. Uh, you know, Brooklyn was next on our list, and they got Alondez Williams, and it was funny when that happened because I was like, "That's an interesting." Oh, I love that as an undrafted signing. I love it. I love it, man. I still had Alondez in the in the forties on my board. Well, it's just shocking, and, and I I thought Trevion Williams would have been interesting for Boston, and then he they just report came out before we started recording this that he's going to play for their summer league team. That doesn't really mean he's signed to that, but he's going to play for them at least. So he's going to try to earn a earn a spot. What, what yeah. do you think about that? I I mean, he's basically going. He's saying I'll play for the Celtics, but I'm going to audition for the rest of the league. And and I still think Trevion has a role with some team because of his playmaking ability and how he has a great feel for the game. So I'll be, I'll be fascinated to watch him at summer league because I, I do really think like he could stick somewhere. He's just going to need the perfect opportunity. Like he's going to need the warriors aren't going to need him, but he needs like that team where it's like, Hey, be our ninth guy and come off the bench and, you know, be a smart basketball player. We don't need you to score 15 and, and nine, but um, well, we're going to be taking shot. notes. We're pulling up the summer league. We're going to have the clipboards yes. out. We're, we're going to evaluate Travion Williams. That does he deserve a roster spot in the end game? We'll we'll find out by by our summer league eyes. But we did it. We made it through the Eastern Conference in in, in about an hour. That's that's pretty good timing by us. I think yeah. we covered covered the Eastern Conference. Now, I mean, this is there are some points where we're going to be able to fly through a little bit towards the end. But this Western Conference record, this is. This is the bean potatoes. There is a lot of different ways that, that we could go in conversations and talking about some of these Western Conference picks. We start at the top. The Oklahoma City Thunder had 
one of my favorite drafts of the night. Chet Holmgren, our number one big board darling. They get him in number two. So already, talk about the word value, already getting a little bit of value. Pick number 11 in a swap with the New York Knicks. They get Usman Jang for a little bit of upside, down-the-road wing depth. Then at pick number 12, their own pick that they ended up keeping in, in the lottery. Oh, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara standout. Jalen Williams taking some short depth on the wing to help solidify that spot. Pick number 34, Tyler Metcalf's favorite draft pick of the night, Jalen Williams, undrafted free agent, Gabe Brown, one of my favorite undrafted free agent targets. I think I probably could have pegged before this draft occurred out of Michigan State. Five guys who there are a few question marks about some of them defensively. I think at the end of the day, all five of them can play defense. I think all five of them offer very intriguing offense, offensive keep the ball moving upside with some shot-making versatility thrown in there as well. I, I love what the Thunder did, man. I love the Chet pick. I think that he solidifies that front court in ways that they just don't have other answers for right now. Jalen Williams, nobody should be surprised that Santa Clara Jalen Williams was a lottery pick on draft night. We were high on him for quite a decent part of the draft process. Usman Jang at pick number 11. Listen, Paul George once walked through that locker room in Oklahoma City, and there are some comparisons between their games. Jang likes to model his game after Kevin Durant and Paul George a lot. So talk about the upside play. What what were your thoughts about what the Oklahoma City Thunder did on draft night? Loved it. I, yeah. I know it was a Presti masterclass as well. I thought it was one of my favorite halls of the entire class because it's not just, you know, getting three guys in the, in the top 12. It's, they got Chet, who could be the franchise cornerstone. Best player um, in the draft. Yep. Yeah. And then you get Jang, which is the upside that you can be patient with. And then they got Jalen Williams, who is just the versatile, really dang good basketball player that I thought even at 12, some people might be like, that's rich. And I'm like, no, that's not. You got your guy. Go get your guy. So um, I loved it. Then they get the the other Jalen Williams at 34, which if he goes back to college this year, he might have been a Could have been a lottery pick. pick. Yeah. So – um, and then I hadn't even seen Gabe Brown yet. So that just, Nathan's all over it. And, and we, we've been talking me and you before about Gabe Brown has some, has some ability. Real, real freaking NBA player, dude. Yeah. Like real guy yeah. who could stick on a bench. He goes to the right team because they will put him in the G league and the blue are very good at developing their guys. And, um, I thought it was a great haul from the Thunder. Now they, they really have some really fun pieces to to keep pushing forward with. Um, ton of talent. Just a lot of really good basketball and young players to mold moving forward. So I'm excited to see, if anything, the Thunder should be unbelievable at Summer League. So I can't wait. Very, <laughs> very early NBA award bold prediction for the all-rookie teams. I could say Chet, but I don't think that's a bold prediction. Jalen Williams, Santa Clara Jalen Williams, all-rookie second team. Book it. You heard it here first. Write it down. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm booking that one up. He's going to make an all-rookie team. I, I freaking love that fit for the Oklahoma City Thunder. More fits that I love, what the Houston Rockets did with their draft. Talk yes. about another one of these awesome hauls. Yes. Jabari Smith, taking the guy who falls to you at number three, 
going and getting the guy who is going to run on the other side of the court when talk about getting out in transition alongside Jalen Green. You'll have Tari Eason on the opposite, uh, opposite side of that offensive attack. And then pick 29, Ty Ty Washington. I mean, we, we talked about multiple times on this podcast feed and the No Ceilings podcast feed, we thought some of the point guards were going to fall, right? That doesn't mean that we didn't think they were first-round grades. Like, Ty Ty Washington's a first-round grade. So getting him at 29, a guy who can play backup point guard for you now and possibly blossom into a starter down the road, along with Jabari Smith, along with Tari Eason, undrafted free agent, Rucker, I'll be honest, Trevor Hudgens. I don't know a damn thing about Trevor Hudgens. That's great. He apparently got a two-way contract. Good for him. I'm happy for you. Proud. Awesome. But those three first-round picks that I outlined, holy smokes. Talk about building depth through the draft. Raphael Stone, you did it again, man. You had my favorite draft last year. You have one of my favorite drafts again this year. The Rockets, Rucker, what they're doing. I'm I'm impressed, man. What do you think? I love what Raphael Stone and the Rockets have been doing the last couple of years. That is how you do a rebuild. This yeah. is what you do. You that's just you, do it. you you build through the draft and you just keep throwing darts at the board. And you know, last year what? Last year they get Shane Goon, they get Jalen Green, they get Josh Christopher, who I think is going to have a really nice Uzman second Garuba year. Usman Garuba um this year you go get Ty Ty you get Tari Eason and um it's just been awesome and and you get Jabari Smith so there's so much talent there's so much upside um I I know that we thought Paula was gonna go there and Rockets fans were probably all in on the Paula train but it's like Jabari there is fantastic I love that fit for, for Yo, both of them summer league starting lineup Ty Ty Washington, Josh Christopher, Tari Easton, Jabari Smith, Alfred Shengu. They they win the whole thing at Summer League. I mean, yeah, it, I don't. <laughs> I wonder if they're even going to play. Who's trying Shen-Gun? out a better starting lineup? I I, th- I think Shengu's playing. Um, it's I, always J- Jalen Green's going to sit out, but I think Shengu's playing. Yeah, it, it'll always. It's always interesting to see what guys get the. Uh, no, we don't want you to play. We, we've seen enough, but that's going to be a fun team, and, and I like. Jabari and Eason's upside on the defense side of the ball. Now you have some depth. I thought Ty Ty's a great value at 29, 29 because, on, he, you know, Dyson Nix is a guy they're very high on still. I, he yeah. was really making some, some noise in the G league at the end of the year. I think they're prepared for him to take a huge leap this season. Um, probably another guy that keep an eye on at summer league. So yeah. Ty Ty's another great piece right next to it. So, Great value. That's how, that's what you do if you're a young team trying to rebuild. Just let the board fall to you and take the value and run with it. So I, I thought they've been doing a great job. Letting letting the board fall to you. That's that's an interesting sentence to utter with the next team we talk about, the Sacramento yeah. Kings. Don't, they- don't don't get my words twisted. Don't I know what you're trying to do right now, Nathan. They, they, they work. let the board fall to them. All right. And they, they didn't take Jane Ivy. They stay stuck to their guns and pick number four. We saw all the interview rumblings. Everybody was walking through the doors. You know, who walked through those doors to meet with the Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis and do the whole sit down. It's your boy, Keegan Murray. Yes, Keegan sir. Murray is playing for the Sacramento Kings. Rucker, I need you to talk Kings fans off the ledge who might have wanted to take Jay Ivey at number four. 
undrafted free agent. I should mention they key on Ellis as well. I think that's a really good undrafted free agent target. But Keegan Murray, talk, talk fans off the ledge. Why should Sacramento Kings fans be more pumped than Coach David Thorpe, who gave the team a C grade on Twitter last night? Why should the grade be higher and be a B or, or an A for taking Keegan Murray? This is going to be blunt, but they don't take these guys ever. <laughs> they really don't. They like, really don't. The high character, like he came out before he got drafted and was like, I want to get drafted and play one place my whole career. He's, this Keegan Murray is going to do everything to win. He's going to do whatever's yep. asked for him. He's going to just be the the boring guy that, you know what, I, I go into the gym every day at, at – 6 a.m. I work on basketball all day, and then I go. We're not saying he's going to be Tim Duncan career-wise. No, but but I mean, he's the embodiment of everything Tim Duncan stood for. Yes, I'm not saying he's going to be Tim Duncan, but this is literally like the Tim Duncan personality. He's just like, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And and then he's going to. I'm just going to come in here, kick some ass, and go home. And I, I'm not saying I don't think Jaden Ivey won't be a great player, but this is my thing with the Kings, and this is why I thought Murray made all the sense there is. Let's say you took Ivy and it just is a disaster the first couple months of the year. Then you got to trade someone. And then if you trade Fox and then all of a sudden Mitchell and Ivy don't work out, where are you going now? Where are you like going? It, so Murray was in a weird way, the safer, higher floor guy. I think everyone's overreacting saying he doesn't have a ton of upside. I think Murray could yeah, it's be bullshit. a stud. It's, it's, sorry, I've been cursing this whole podcast, but it's my yeah, feed. I can right. do whatever the hell I want. It's, yeah, it's bullshit. Exactly. This whole upside thing with Keegan Murray is, is absolute BS. Like He's he's a gamer. Absolute gamer. He, he I'm sold fr- that he can beat Tobias Harris on offense, except he actually plays defense. defense I, I think he could be better than Tobias. And you've, ta- you've said that comment to me before, Nathan, and we both had to stop ourselves and go, Tobias got a max contract. So yeah, we're he like, did. so I, I he was 20 he's... plus points per game yes. with the Los Angeles Clippers. He was getting that team, literally getting that team wins by himself. He was winning games for that franchise. They're telling me Keegan Murray can't go out and do that one day for the Kings. So you, you and I think he can. Well, and everyone's so why not a, take that guy? Everyone's obsessing over his age. And I'm like, he was a sophomore stop it. in college. Stop it. And he averaged over 20 a game. And they were running pin downs for him to come up and shoot threes away from his body. And it was nothing but net. He did everything in the world for that team. I mean, he could have coached the sidelines too at this point. Like that's how impressive his season was. I thought it was the Kings are going to get ruined by a lot of people. The Kings finally for once did not King it up. And I love the, like, Oh, the Kings are Kings. And I'm like, no, this is exactly what they, they said to hell with what everyone else thinks. This is our guy. We, yep. he is, he is going to be the high character guy that just keeps. This is the the culture shifter. Like he's going to get the yeah, kings sure, out of yep. purgatory. So I I loved it. I thought it was great. Of you know, him Monty and Mc- Sabonis are going to be awesome together. I don't care what it, anybody says. It it was Monty McNair being, hey, this is my guy. To hell with everyone. I, this is my guy. I put my foot down. I don't care that everyone says I'm supposed to take Ivy because he has higher upside. This is my guy. And he took him and 
Hats Alvin, off to Alvin Gentry is going to look around the room and be like, finally, I can coach a young guy who doesn't need to be taught 50 million different things on the basketball yeah. court. Like, the, we, we can just roll the ball out and play everyone. Like, let's let's go try and get some wings next year. Yeah, Mike, year. Mike so Brown's going to be it. pumped out of his mind now. Mike Brown's like, yeah, uh, thank that's you right, for... Mike Brown. My, my apologies. This no, but great. even Gentry was there. I think they even brought Gentry after I'm... his reward for dealing with the nightmare year was getting in the front office. All right, well, even, even so, right, Mike, Mike Brown, look at yeah. right? Like everybody around him has had to, everybody young, I should say, has had to be coached up and taught a million things in the basketball court. Exactly. Good, good for the Kings, man. Speaking of going in and getting your guy, right? Getting your guy in this process. The Portland Trailblazers, hats off to them. I used the phrase balls acknowledged earlier in the podcast. I can say the same thing for the Portland Trailblazers. Forget the scrutiny. Forget the disastrous outcomes that could happen by making this pick at seven. Shane Sharp. They went and got the upside play at number seven. And you know what? When we all sat around and talked about what could the Portland Trailblazers do at number seven, after they hired Mike Schmitz to come in and help that front office. The one guy who they could have hired, who knows Shane Sharp better than anyone else in the landscape. They brought him in. They clearly had to have been infatuated by Shane Sharp. And they bring in Mike and they're like, yo, Mike, tell us what's, what's going on. What's going on with Shane Sharp, man? Like what should, should we be worried? Should we be excited? Clearly Mike, Broke it down. We know he he's the best at giving the positives and the negatives, but he was able to calm everybody down, similar to what Corey Tullibus said multiple times for us here at No Ceilings. Like, this dude has ridiculous upside as a 6'6 shot-making wing. Like, put some of the negatives to bed. He's young. He's got to learn how to play. But Dame is clearly there for the long haul. Dame Lillard is one of the best mentors we probably have left in the NBA. He's a leader. He's going to help this kid get on the right track, and they're going to bet on upside. They're going to bet that it's going to work out for them. Whether Dame's there, I think he's going to be there for the long haul. But even if he isn't, you go get the upside play. You go BPA. You get the guy you think is best on your board. That was Shane Sharp for them. Pick 57, they get Jabari Walker, who actually Jabari Walker is a really nice piece to get with pick 57 too. I, I love that pick for them. But the story here with the Blazers is Sharp Rucker. What, what do you think about the Portland Trail Blazers just putting it all on the table and saying, screw it, we're going to go take Sharp? Yeah, I loved it. You know, shout out our, our boy Mike Schmitz. Um, I thought that that was the name that started heating up into connection with Portland as the, you know, the draft was getting closer the last couple of days. And Portland was in a weird range in this draft where you could have gone Dyson Daniels and, and, yeah. and kind of tried to be like, all right, well, we got Simon's getting much better. We got Dame. Do we just add another piece in the backcourt? Or you could try to get a, a real home run on the wing. And, and the thing with Sharp is he's had this weird pass where he goes to Kentucky in the middle of the season and he doesn't play a game. He's one of the best high school players in the country. And he just doesn't play a game. So, and then he said, Hey, I'm going to go in the draft anyways. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. He's going to have a bit of a learning curve, but going to play and train along uh, Damian Lillard is probably the best thing for a young guy. It's great for him. Yeah. So I I couldn't think it would be a better fit for him because he's going to think, Oh, I I work pretty hard. And then he's going to watch Dame Lillard one day and be like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's because it's, Lillard has one of the most ridiculous, you know, workout regimens in, in the entire league. So 
I, I like it. I think it's it's really just saying, hey, we, we brought this guy in. We did our homework. Um, we know the upside he has. And we also understand where our franchise is at this moment. We understand we are trying to add pieces to the puzzle. And, um, you know, they also went and got Jeremy Grant. And that's an yeah, underrated part of this whole They're, draft hall. The Blazers are starting to build a little bit of a defense finally. You still got Josh Hart in the mix. You got uh, Jeremy Grant. You drafted Jabari Walker now back into the side. They're starting to – they're going to play a little bit of defense next year, Rucker. How about that? And I, I really liked the Jabari edition at the end of the second. I thought – it was funny. I was watching the second round. I was like, man, what, what did Jabari have to do to get drafted this year? Because it's amazing, like – he was just put, it was just one of those guys that he was not getting enough love. And, and I understood it because he was just still so raw, but there was so much intrigue with his tools. And yep. I think getting him in the second round is great. That's a great It's good value. And I'll be excited to watch what he can do at Summer League because I, th- I still think he's got some, some ability to be a rotation piece. But I liked what Portland did. I thought it was a little underrated draft haul for them. Um, really, I, I just was very. I think Sharp's going to be fascinating to watch, especially Summer League. Like everyone's going to be glued to watch what he. Everyone's going to be all right, all right, dude. What, 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 what can what you? you what are you actually capable of doing? Yeah, show yes. us some stuff. You said the Trailblazers could have taken Dyson Daniels. You know who did take Dyson Daniels? Is the next team we have to talk about? New Orleans Pelicans got him at number eight. The rich talk, get richer, folks. Talk about freaking value! Oh, holy shit, man! Like let's let's just break this down, right? You got Zion Williamson, who looks like he's in the best shape of his freaking life, coming back to potentially tear the NBA a new one. You still got Brandon Ingram next to him. You brought in C.J. McCollum. You found Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado later on last year. You still have Valanciunas in the fold. You still have Jackson Hayes in the fold. Now you bring in Dyson Daniels at pick eight. You bring in E.J. Liddell, one of the most surprising fallers at pick 41. They have a whole freaking squad, dude. Rucker, the Pelicans go like 12 deep now. This is this is amazing. This is an incredible job that they I don't want to hear any one person give give David Griffin crap anymore. I don't want to hear it. He has built a truly fascinating team for the Pelicans that not only has a little bit of experience now, especially bringing in CJ McCollum, head of the Players Association, is gonna help everyone have the right mindset in that locker room. Dude, they are – I didn't mention Trey Murphy. They are loaded out the wazoo with awesome, fun, young talent, with length, with size, with defensive tenacity, with offensive shot-making upside. If we were giving out grades for the Pelicans, A++++ A plus, plus, plus to, to infinity. I love what they did on draft night. What do you think? Yeah, I, I thought it went pretty much as perfect as you could imagine for what the Pelicans' position was in because – Heading into the draft, they had another number of options they could go. Um, we all know how impressive they were in the playoffs. Um, Zion coming back is the biggest, like, hey, you want to really change up this team next year? Here's a nice oh, little Oh, wait, I, I didn't even mention pick 52, Carlo Makovic, and then undrafted free agent, Darion Sebron. Right, too. right. Oh, c- come on. Um, and, and they added the right pieces to get – that team even better and it's it's yep. daniels with his versatility now coming off the bench just to be a he's going to come in early and just be a we don't need you to score just keep doing what you do best which is being a smart player with the ball in his hands making the right reads and 
being a pest defensively, and then getting EJ Liddell, which it, it's still going to be fascinating to see why he fell. Yeah, we got to take a round on that one. Um, getting him at 41 is just, you know, what are we doing? NBA, what are we doing? We just gave the Pelicans a nice little gift. But um, I don't care like what's said, on the report. Around. At some point, you got to take that guy like yeah. earlier than, than 41. I, I don't I don't care what the you want to let him fall to, to the second round because of some concerns, whatever could be out there. Fine. You take them before freaking 41, before the Pelicans can swoop in and just potentially get one of the seals of the night. Like, come on, what are we doing? Great depth. Um, you get up now all of a sudden in your rotation, you have a potential four like defensive anchor that's nasty that can shoot the ball from deep. I, I and I think he's a high character, he's gonna do everything. I'm just shocked that he got even out of the first round. So, like you said, we'll have to do some digging. And, and I like Sebron as an undrafted guy. I think, yeah, that's a, a guy that has still some upside. Can you can Carlo you tell me anything well. about can you tell me anything about Carlo? Because he was one of the international guys. I didn't really get some to spend some time digging through a lot of the film, but he was like a riser. All of a sudden, he's getting into like top 80s, top 60s on people's boards. Do you have any any note back in from my audience since I didn't really talk about him? Really high energy. Um, does a lot of damage around the basket when it comes to lob threat, you know, tip boards. Um, he's got some good size. I think he's a while away. He's going to need about yeah, draft probably. Stash, yeah, he's going to need a year or two. I, I think he is going to come play summer league this year. He's got some some tools, but I think he just needs some time. Um, definitely a stash. If you look at their draft, they're not bringing him over. They don't have any freaking no. roster spots. No. So, so. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll be a stash for sure, but needs some time. He'll be a fun one to, to monitor, though, at summer league. San Antonio Spurs, That's another draft. I, I, yeah, I, w- I want you to go through the hall because pick nine, they got Jeremy Sohan. Pick 20, Malachi Branham. Pick 25, Blake Wesley. A very good mix of short-term and long-term production. This, I, I want to give you the floor mainly for the Spurs because this was on stream. You reacted like this is one of your favorite draft halls. Why, why is it one of your favorite? Uh, they just have, over the last couple of years – been kind of getting away from what made the Spurs the Spurs. And you go back in history with those Spurs franchises, those teams where they were so successful is they were so good at just letting the draft fall right into their hands and and taking whatever they had, whatever value came to them. And this was just like kind of shades of the old one where I was like, this is, this is how you get those teams back. Cause last year they went for Primo and, and got the upside and this year, it was just like, I love Sohan at nine. I thought that was a very Spursy pick because I've joked before on the No Ceilings podcast and talking with you, I've even said, like, this gives me Boris Diaw Spurs vibes. Like, just like how he can have that yeah. guard and he's got to improve his shooting a lot, but he has that playmaking that the Spurs, I think, are going to love it. And then getting Branham at 20 is great value because I, I know – the depth they have on the wings. I, I understand everyone calling me out or trying to say that they, the spirit. I get they, it. I understand. They don't, they don't have somebody like him though. No. Is the thing. They, they don't, they don't have anyone that is preventing them from taking someone. Like they don't have a guy that's like, we can't take him because he's so good. They, they just need to keep getting talent and figure it all out down the road. And like you said, Nathan, they don't have the offensive machine. They have some really good defensive guys. I still love Devin Vassell. I think he's ready for another leap next year. 
Um, but Branham there, he's got really nice tools. I and mean, if the Spurs can coach him to be more consistent on the defensive side of the ball, there is serious talent there for, for them to unlock. And then I've been blow, lower on Blake Wesley, but I think him going to the Spurs is perfect for, for his development and low for pressure the Spurs. situation for low him. pressure, come off the bench, be in the rotation. You know, he can't be going and shooting everything in the world the moment he touches the ball because he won't play. That's the Spurs. They 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 do a good job of being like, hey, you gotta you gotta get over yourself. You yeah. you gotta buy into the team. And and I think that's why the Spurs did a great job of just saying, let's let the board come to us and take the value. And it's a great haul. I, I know I'm not buying their training DeJounte Murray, so everyone can calm down. They're not gonna do it. Everybody, you can trade anyone for three first round picks, but I don't think they're gonna do it. Could could you imagine if they still found a way to basically keep a lot of this core together, all the pieces they just added, and then they can bring DeAndre Aiden into the fold? Holy smokes. I mean, they're probably gonna have a shot now with you they know are. The, the the whatever Detroit did. I don't know if Detroit's I'm I'm move. still holding on to my Detroit conspiracy yeah. theory hat. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that tinfoil hat theory. But it's it's not out of the question. The Spurs are in there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what if the Spurs have uh Aiton and Sohan. And then all of a sudden you That's got... what I want them to do, though. Like, I, I want Jeremy Sohan. I said this on the stream last night. I want him to be next to an offensive-minded center to take some of that pressure off of him in the front court. Let him go out there. Let him be a ball mover. Let him play defense. Don't look at him to be your, your 15 to 17 points per game because he's, he's not going to be anywhere close to that out of the game. I think if he, if he can get to a point where he averages double-digit points in his rookie year, I would be, I'd be thoroughly... I would be thoroughly enjoying that rookie season from him, but let him come in, do what he needs to do. Go get DeAndre Ayton, who can be that 17 to 20 points per game in the front court. Let him be that pick and roll threat that lob grab with uh, DeJounte Murray and some of those other guys in the backcourt. Let, let that be the guy who puts up those points in, in the front court and figure out what you're doing with the rest of the guys later. That, that is the guy I want next to, to Sohan. Are you, are you do you do you not care about the the Sohan hurdle fit? Do you want them to go get in? Like where where are you at? The the last move you think the the Spurs should make to kind of complete a lot of what they're doing. I I, I would love Aiton there. Um, I still think Aiton's got a ton of upside. I think Aiton, yeah, I think he he's been fantastic for what the Suns needed. I think if he goes somewhere and gets more of a role, he's going to put up some eye opening numbers. But like, let's just hypothetically say he does go there and you're all of a sudden having DeJounte. Um, you got guys like Vassell, Primo. They're all Kel young. Keldon Johnson, young. Branham, Blake Wesley. You know, we got, we got all these pieces now. And that's what I've said before to some Spurs fans. And I'm like, the Spurs teams back then were so great because they could roll eight guys at you and just, you know, give you headaches because it, they just were switching guys with whatever was going to work. All of a sudden with. they bring the 12th guy off the bench and he's burning here for like 15. Exactly. Like, so what the hell's going on? And, and obviously like if they were going to try to get eight and they probably have to make some sign trader or move with maybe one of those pieces. I don't think a ton though, but um, that just, that, that would be fun. That That's where you start really building a roster with some depth and, and pieces you can move around. So um. Yeah, it, I I I think they're in a good spot. I think they had a heck of a night. 
Speaking of depth, the Memphis Grizzlies, with all of their roster spots that are occupied, somehow <laughs> find a way to, to essentially buy themselves into five players on draft night. They trade up to pick 19. With, with that, that's a fun Minnesota Timberwolves deal, which we'll, we'll get to the Minnesota Timberwolves in a second. But you trade up to pick 19, get Jake LaRavia. So, so the Memphis Grizzlies were one of the teams in the first round targeting Jake LaRavia. They get that guy. They made the deal that we alluded to earlier in the podcast with the Philadelphia 76ers 23. David has a boat in his gut. Roddy is coming to the Memphis Grizzlies. I that that's a pick. I I think you're a little more hype on it than I am. That that's a pick. They they made a deal, pick 38 in the second round. They go get Kennedy Chandler, who can be a backup point guard solution if they let Tyus Jones walk and Pick 47 after old man Nate went to bed. They they got Vince Williams Jr. in the second round out of ECU. That's a nice pickup for them. Undrafted free agent market, it wasn't enough that they went and got one of the weird body guys in the draft with David Roddy. They had to go get Kenneth Lofton Jr. just for, for good freaking measure in the undrafted market as well. So it that's I can't really put sense into that group of players specifically. Rucker, it's a lot of interesting pieces when you break them apart player by player, but out of all five of those guys, is there one guy that really stands out to you and you're like, damn, I'm really happy the Memphis Grizzlies went and did this? Uh, Kennedy Chandler, probably, because I think that could be one of their best picks. I think the David Roddy pick was one of those. We talked about it on the air. Like, it was confusing, but they must have an idea of like, hey, we can make this work. I guess so. We can figure it out. The Ravia probably could have got him later than 23, but uh, yeah, whatever. Go get your guy, I guess, right? Right. I mean, and and Laravia is going to be a oh, he's, he's going to be a nice piece for the Grizzlies. Yeah. He's going to be a nice one, but I like that. I thought Vince Williams Jr. was in some intriguing value too, and then getting Kenneth Lofton is undrafted. It, it's funny because the Grizzlies just keep adding all these guys, and I'm like, okay, you guys are eventually going to run out of spots and rosters and and, and stuff like. It's just that's what the Grizzlies do in the draft now. They just keep adding guys, and they're like, whoever sticks, who sticks. You know, whoever we keep around, we keep. But um, I liked Kennedy Chandler a lot. I thought that's going to be a really nice change of pace guard in their rotation. I still think, even though he went 38, I could see him earning a, a role in that team next get year. That top, I, I, I think he's going to get that top backup job, man. I think, I at think this so. Point, this it is, shock this me. Is, this is Memphis saying – we're not going to pay money to guys who we don't think are ultimate long-term pieces to the puzzle. Because in theory, I mean, the Jake LaRavia signing, isn't isn't he going to do a lot of what they asked of Kyle Anderson as well? I mean, he's not the same veteran. He hasn't been around the NBA for as many years, but I think Jake LaRavia could be like a better shooting Kyle Anderson type for that team. The Kennedy Chandler can, maybe he's not going to be as good as Tyus Jones right out of the gate, but that's the kind of role that they can groom him into. David Roddy catching Catch you guy at that forward spot. Maybe the tandem of Jake LaRavia and David Roddy is them saying, all right, we, we found our answer to, to the missing piece, and we're going to have these guys on, on cheaper contracts. And then Vince Williams Jr. and Kenneth Lofton, those are fun, fun darts to just fling at the dartboard. Memphis City has one of the better uh, G League teams around the league. Those guys are going to get plenty of time. For the Grizzlies G League team, we will we'll, we'll find out what happens with all five of those guys. But I think an interesting mix of talent. I I, I at the end of the day, I do like what I did overall. David Roddy's the one pick that's like, yeah, I can't really make a lot of sense to it at surface, but I think somehow, some way, it's it's, it's going to make sense to us a, a year from now. So 
The Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. Rucker, they drafted our son. They drafted Christian Brown out of Kansas, the guy that it, – it's really funny when we were talking earlier in the year, like, you're a Christian Brown guy? Oh, wait, you're a Christian Brown guy? We kind of look at each other like the Spider-Man meme, just like pointing at each other when we were talking about Christian Brown. That, that was one of our dudes. They got him They got him at pick 21. They said, screw it. Some people have second-round grades on this guy. We're going to go get our guy. We're a playoff team. He can come in and help us win games now. Then they got the projects. At pick 30, they got Peyton Watson. In a separate deal, they got pick 46, who ended up being Ishmael Kamigate. And then undrafted free agent market, backup point guard spot. Here we go. Colin Gillespie bringing in the Villanova boy, who's probably going to end up playing a long time in the NBA. I, I really like this haul. The more and more I think about it, Rucker, I, I really like this haul for Denver. They're getting a few guys who can help them win basketball games next year. And then they have some really intriguing long-term pieces who could be – those two guys could return, definitely return first-round value when, when it's all said and done a few years from now and in Watson and Kamigate. What do you think about the haul? I really, really liked their night. Um, I think some people are going to overreact about their night because they're going to look at Peyton Watson at 30 and be like, what are they thinking? He only averaged three points a game. Why are they doing Peyton Watson is going to have some serious talent. Um, I'm not shocked. He went in the first round. I think he just had one of those classic nightmare years, but that is a long-term project for the nuggets that if they be patient, that is going to give the nuggets a dangerous weapon um we had an inkling they were going to go after an added interesting project too because that was our prediction in the mock draft for yeah and, and published just adding him is is fascinating i thought kamagate was a really underrated ad at 46 that's a sneaky sneaky good pickup yeah 46. because he could he could groom to be that backup big that's just nasty plays with his hair on fire and and has a lot of energy and does some stuff but Adding our boy Christian Brown at 21, I thought was one of my the moment they took him, I was like, what a great well pick for Denver. Cause they just need to build depth. Just keep yeah. getting some guys that could, could potentially play. Who could defend? Games. They need yeah. defense on the wing. They go get one of the better wing defenders in this draft, in my opinion, in Christian Brown. Well, now you know Denver's gonna be nasty next year because you get Murray back, you, you get Michael Porter Jr. back, you got Jokic. He's pretty good at his job. And, and then <laughs> Bones Highland, I think, is going to take another step Monte next Morris year. And then is still there. Monte Mor- Brown. Najee's going to keep taking a step up. Christian Brown, you bring in. Like, is Monty Morris still there? I feel like he gets rumored as a potential. He was traded five times. Like, I, I is he there? No. He's still there. He's, he's on a con. He's still there. So people just they, keep spreading fake stuff. They, yeah, he's, he's still there. They, they got, they have depth. They have freaking right. depth now. As I said, they got Zeke Nagy who's probably going to take a step forward. You mentioned Bones Highland. They could probably still go find another wing. Aaron Gordon. Will Barton. Well, Aaron Gordon. God, I, got I'm telling you, I, I love the Brown pick, though. I think I think, I think, De- I think Denver is going to be my preseason uh, make it out of the West pick to go to the finals. I, I think that's going to be – and that might be a curse. It was, it was the Utah Jazz – last year who ended up just completely shitting the bed all over the place and they didn't go anywhere in, in meaningful in the playoffs. But yeah, I think Denver is going to be my pick. That team is loaded. They're going to make some noise. I, I, I love it. I love it, man. 
I, I really did like their night. I thought a lot of people weren't giving him enough love. And I thought some, I read some people were like, this was a Tarek. They did. I didn't like this draft at all. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. They got a really dang good piece in Christian Brown. And then, um, Watson was the great upside swing the the project that just be patient. And you might, if Watson clicks and they have Jokic and Watson on the floor together and because Watson has unbelievable. Can you imagine he, he, dude, he, he can fly around all over the floor. On the oh, defensive end he and, competes and he, for what he doesn't give on the offensive end. That dude at least gives a shit on the defensive end. Yes. Defensively. He's a game wrecker. And, and I know it's weird to say that for a guy that didn't play a ton of minutes last year, but just go watch his FIBA film. Go watch him before. And that kid has confidence and he's he running around. This, oh my gosh. He is he, ginormous. Yes. So I loved it. I, I thought it was a great pick. I, I thought when they traded for that pick, I was like, something's up. They're going to take something. And I was like, I think that could be Peyton Watson mania. So um, good for him. The last two teams that we'll give, we'll give more words for than just rapid fire reactions. The, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they were involved in so many freaking deals last night. I, if you're coming to this podcast, expecting me to recount all the different assets that were swapped in these trades, I'm sorry, man. The Minnesota Timberwolves, I, I, I couldn't keep track. But we got it. We figured it out. We know who's going to be on the team. Walker Kessler, pick 22. Wendell Moore, pick 26. Josh Minot, pick 45. Mateo Spagnolo, pick 50. Undrafted free agent, Theo John. There's some weirdness going on here. The Walker the Walker Kessler thing, I, I don't know. The... One the more thing I get, the one the more thing I understand, I think he's going to be really good wing depth for them next year and we'll have a chance to play some real rotation minutes for them. Josh Minot, shooting guard of the future for, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. No, I'm just I'm just kidding, Metcalf. Calm down. Just calm down. It's just a joke. Um, and then Spaniolo, draft and stash guy. Interesting piece for the future. Why does why does the Timberwolves draft hall feel like the one where I I don't really understand it, but it's going to make a lot more sense a year from now. What are, what are your thoughts on what the Timberwolves did? Yeah, I'm sort of there with you. Um, the Walker Kessler pick doesn't I don't love it, but I get it, and it's probably going to work. And I'm like, okay, it works. All right, it like works. all right, I get it. But um, I really like the window more pick. I yes. thought that was a very underrated one that probably isn't going to get enough of attention. Josh Minot, I get it. I just... The upside swing. The upside Shoot, swing. Shooting guard of the future. And I love... One of my favorite picks they took was Spagnolo at 50, but they're yeah, probably tell, not going to see tell, him. Tell the audience a little bit about Spagnolo. When he, whenever he does come over to the States, what can what can he possibly do for the Wolves? Well, he so he was on loan... Um, from Real Madrid, I believe, off the top of my head. And he's still got like a year or two on his contract. So he's probably not going to be over for a while. But like 6'4", um, really just crafty, smart player. He can he, he can play. Like he just needs the – he needs a couple of years. Like yep. this is a guy that has a serious amount of talent. He just needs a couple of years. And it would not shock me if he comes over eventually down the road and – is a very, very good piece for a team. Like, um, I know they drafted Leandro Balmero. And, yeah, him and, and Balmero adding some international flavor to that. Yeah, backcourt. but I like Spagnuolo a lot. I think he could, I think he's going to be in the NBA. Um, I just think he needs a little bit more seasoning. He needs to 
fill out, you know, become getting some run. So I, I think keeping them overseas will be great. Um, but I like Wendell Moore a lot and, and, and it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Walker Kessler. Um, that's one of those guys I'm ready to eat crow if, uh, he, he clicks, but I thought the Wendell Moore was the one that I was like, that's a good pick for the T wolves. He's going to be a nice piece, um, in their rotation. So the last team that we need to, we need to share some real words on, and then we'll do a little bit of rapid fire for the last three teams I have picked out here in the West. The Golden State Warriors, NBA champions. Rucker, I know that, the, that you try to be as partial as possible. You, you don't try to be biased. Try and be objective for us here at No Ceiling. I'm always, yeah, I don't, I don't need to be biased. But I'm honest. Come on. You're a Celtics guy, and you can't tell me you're not a little pissed with how the Warriors just seem to keep getting richer and richer and richer. Pick 28, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Top 10 preseason guy falls into the 28. Pick 44, one of the no ceilings favorites of the guard spot, Ryan Rollins, undrafted target, Lester Quinones out of Memphis. But, dude, come on, really? Patrick Baldwin and Ryan Rollins to the Warriors? Are, are, no, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you freaking kidding me? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not jealous. They did exactly <laughs> what they're supposed to do. I, uh, Celtics traded their pick for for Derek White, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm completely fine with that trade. But no, this is J- exactly... J- JD Davison can stack up against those two guys. Come on, Rocky. No, Come well, on. we don't have to talk about that because <laughs> once you get to like the last couple of picks of the draft, it's like, eh, whatever. Right. Um, but for Golden State, they did that's exactly a haul, man. what you're supposed to do. And, and I love the Patrick Baldwin pick at 28. Um, that's a guy that you need some confidence. You're gonna get it because th- that team's gonna see what you can do. And they are going to say, we need you to be confident because we need to use your skill set." And if he clicks and then you have him, Kaminga, grooming together, Moses Moody, that's very fun. We, I we, thought, we need, we need to talk about that Ryan Wells pick. No, that's that what is, I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Just, just, just so, hold so, on. So, well, I felt, I felt bad for our boy, Simon Rath, because I thought he was going to Atlanta and then the yeah. Warriors get him. And I was like, son of a, cause I think Rollins, I think if you're a Warriors fan, Come on. you need to watch that one. You, you, need, you need to go back and watch that kid. Watch his Toledo tape. Like he, he's not as explosive and as quick as Jordan Poole. There's a lot of Jordan Poole to that kid's game, though. Like talk about another guy who you, you Steph Curry takes him under his wing. All he really needs to do is get better at the three-point shot on a consistent basis, right? Everything else inside the arc, that, that kid has money in the pick and roll. He can get downhill. He can finish ambidextrously on the basket. He can hit the mid-range shots, get to the floater. Like, he is a legitimate bucket. And the Warriors, at, God, they get another fucking bucket in the backcourt. Like, good God. Good God. I, I like, uh, I know I how it. great Jordan Poole's turned out to be as a prospect. I like Ryan Rollins a lot better than I like Jordan Poole. Do you really? As a prospect, yeah. Yeah. When when tell, they were tell, coming tell out of college, tell the audience. Tell the audience about Ryan Rollins. He's just um, very very shifty. He has like CJ McCollum vibes to his game. Yeah. Um, he just needs someone to let him be patient. Like some someone just needs to wait with him. He he has all this talent. He's a playmaker. He has great feel. He's shifty. Like when they got Rollins, I was like, son, like that's when I was like, Warriors, you sons of bitches. Like, <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I was just like, 
that's the one I'd be watching because they could have really something. I think he's a gamer. I think he's a grinder. I think he's going to figure it out. If he went to, if he wasn't going to Toledo, he would have been a much higher pick. Sure, and I'm not sure. trying to bag on Toledo. I'm just saying if he had more exposure, for sure, because there's Jordan, real talent there. And Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, Moses Moody, Patrick Baldwin, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman. They got a they got a whole freaking six man unit just just waiting there on the bench. Like, yeah. What are other NBA teams doing? Like built through the draft. That that's how we can partially close on this podcast. Like. The exact opposite of what the New York Knicks have done for years is what the Warriors are are continuing to do. Just go get depth in the freaking draft, man. I had Rollins as a top 30 guy. So yeah. they got uh, two of my top 30 guys in, in 28 and 44. So that feels pretty good for a, a draft haul. God, God. freaking, freaking war. I'm, I'm, Freaking Warriors, man. Whatever. Just go win another title next year. Like, whatever. No, 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 they're not. No, they're not. Calm down. Let's talk about, let's talk about the Lakers. Cause I was actually very, uh, very impressed. So they did with one pick. So let's read off these last three teams here. So Lakers pick 35, they go get Max Christie. They bought it in the second round. Undrafted free agents, Scotty Pippen Jr., Cole Swider, and Sharif O'Neal. They're going to be bringing in for the summer league team at least. Dallas Mavericks go get pick 37. They get Jaden Hardy. Talk about a father. They get Jaden Hardy at 37 and then undrafted free agent. They're going to bring in Marcus Bingham out of Michigan State. And then the Clippers pick 43, Moose Diabate, undrafted free agent, Michael DeVoe. I know you want to get into the Lakers. My question for you before you made the comment was going to be, out of those three teams towards the end here, which hall do, do you like the best? I mean, feel free to mix in your thoughts on all three, but which hall did you like the best out of those three? Um, well, that's actually a pretty good look. Spice, like spicy meatball, huh? Yeah, well, I, I just like them all. Um, I th- I would say I like Dallas's gamble a little bit. Dude, that Jane also, Hardy pick is freaking yeah. phenomenal. Hardy's good. I think Bingham's a little underrated, undrafted free agent. He he put up some good numbers. Um, I really like the Clippers getting Diabate. I yes. thought that was one that kind of caught my attention. I was like, oh, Clippers. I, I, I'm I surprised a little bit he got into the 40s. I thought yes. he was going to be a one in the 30s, but I mean, er, early 40s, close enough. That is a great long-term play for, for the Clippers. I really like that. That was one of those picks. I was like, they might not talk about that enough, but that's the one that I'm going to have my attention on. Because uh, Diabate can, has real nice talent upside, um, but I thought the Cl- the Lakers getting a pick and getting Max Christie where they got him, yes. I thought. Talk, talk was, about talk about Max Christie with the Lakers, short and long term. I think he's got talent to be a top twenty player from this class. Like that's how much talent he has, and he 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 was a, a big time recruit coming there at Michigan State. He struggled consistently with his shot. Like it was up and down all year, but it's a beautiful shot from outside, but he can defend the crap out of the ball. Like he's so good defensively. Izzo, like this, this is a kid that was a freshman at Michigan State. He was struggling with a shot. Yeah. And Izzo was playing him heavy minutes because he trusted him. So that tells you something because Izzo doesn't do that often. Um, I think it's a great gamble for the Lakers. And I don't even know if it's a gamble. I think it's just a just trust the development and be patient and you're going to have a really, really nice piece. So um, I hate 
to compliment the Lakers because I was born and raised a Celtics fan, but I really, really liked what they did. Yeah, that Max Christie pick is fascinating. Scotty Pippen Jr. is an undrafted free agent. It's yep. really fun, too, that the Lakers need another point guard. And I think that for all the concerns you might have about his size, you know what? The dude just finds a way to get buckets. And yes. he did it for years at Vanderbilt, and he'll continue to put up buckets, I feel, in my opinion, in the NBA. He was somebody who I had Mavs draft on from the Lockdown Network. Him and I talked about him as a potential sleeper target in the NBA draft. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think out of the three halls, I God, I still believe in Jane Hardy, man. I still I believe too. in him. That is, that's a great value pick for for the Dallas Mavericks. Luca's gonna love having him. Just go, go, go do your best impersonation of Buddy Hill, man. Just go out on the wing, catch the ball from Luca, hit open and shoot it. shots, and yeah, exactly. Just just rack up points, doing exactly what you you know how to do, baby. And then. We talked about Diabate a little bit, a good long-term play for the Clippers. I sne- Sneaky, I love that Michael DeVoe undrafted free agent pickup. I know there are some guys, Evan here at No Ceilings in particular, who has wanted to buy in on Michael DeVoe as a draftable guy all year long. I-, I put the composite boards together. I see everybody's big board. I know who everybody likes and doesn't like. I know that everyone really liked him a lot. And for undrafted free agent guys, when you talk about guards who you can bring in, who could put points on the board, play some minutes next year in the NBA. The Clippers needed another guy like that in the backcourt to help complement some of the other options they have. Out of some of the guys they could bring in to, to try and complement Reggie Jackson, Jason Preston's probably going to get some burn next year for the Clippers. I like Michael DeVoe, what he could bring from a scoring standpoint in, in that backcourt for, for the Clippers. So any, any final thoughts on the 2022 NBA draft? We, we made it through a whole reactions podcast in about two hours. I'm, I'm really proud of ourselves that we did that. A- any other final thoughts? No, I, I mean, it's amazing. I feel like I need to like rewatch the whole thing now. I, after we, <laughs> I, I just can't believe it's over. But I've also just now I'm just pumped out of my mind for summer league. Like, yeah, I that's that's wait. the big takeaway. Yeah, yeah, I I can't wait to watch all these guys. That's why we do this is to get get jacked up again for summer league. Like, all right, we got we still got some more stuff to do. But Rucker, I. I can't thank you enough for all the time you've taken to come on the draft deeper podcast this year. I know for a fact where we're going to keep working much closer on the podcast front as we move forward with the no ceilings operation altogether. I can't wait. Next year is going to be incredible, but you mentioned we got summer league coming up. I'm just going to tell the audience, the draft deeper podcast feed, we're, we're taking a little vacation over the next two weeks leading up to summer league. This, this pod will come out on the feed. Um, like I said, this will come out Monday after the draft. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Mental health is important. Definitely stay rested, stay well. We, we've worked hard this whole year. I can't thank everybody enough for the support of this podcast. By the end of the month, we're, we're going to cross 100,000 all-time downloads on this podcast feed. I, I can't freaking believe that that's a thing. When I started this podcast, I, I did not think in year two we'd be like a consistent top 50 podcast, that we'd get to this point, the downloads mark. I also did not think that we'd have – on the No Ceilings Network, Rucker, you can talk about this a little bit. We'd have three podcasts, like basically averaging being ranked in the top 80 on the Apple yes. charts this, these, these last two months. This is this is freaking incredible. The widespread support that's been had for every single podcast on our platform, the written work we've done, the video work we've done. Rucker, just kind of your, your wrap-up thoughts for, for year, year one for No Ceilings. It's, it's in the books, man. 
Yeah, I mean, I, don't get too depressed because, you know, we're going to have some fun content from oh, Summer League. Summer League's going to be amazing. Yep. Yeah, we're going to have some some streaming, some podcasts, some live stuff on YouTube. But um, just to echo what Nathan says, it's been an incredible first year with no ceiling. It's been an awesome time continuing to watch Draft Deeper grow. Um, I'm very, very proud and pumped of, of our entire no ceilings crew but i'm very yeah, excited i, I, I said it i said at the metcalf though that like the work that you two have done with that no ceilings podcast feed to basically get it to where draft deeper is in, in an incredibly short amount of time i mean that's that's hats off to you guys you guys have worked hard all year long to do that that's you guys should really be be proud of that seriously no i i appreciate it um it's not possible without everyone listening. It's not possible with you guys listening right now for you guys having our support. Like me and Metcalf talk about it off camera all the time. It's so cool being able to talk with everyone because yeah. we're always, we're never, we're never like turning away any opportunity to talk to anyone. Even if they don't be afraid. Like, even if you have a ridiculous take, like basketball is basketball. I'll that's always why we're talk with anyone. That, that's why we're the best. We'll literally yeah. talk with anybody. Any, any opinion is in bounds. Just, Reach out, have a conversation with us. We're, we're talking draft and basketball 24-7. Exactly. And, and and that's why we do it, and that's why we love it, and that's why we're excited for year two with no ceilings because we got big plans, you know? People say we're going to – people say they like to go to the moon, and we're, we're thinking – We're going past so. the moon. Yeah, Fuck past the moon. the moon. We're going past the moon. Um, so. Well, but thank you, Nathan, for the whole Draft Deeper 22 cycle. Oh, it's yeah, been a blast. Awesome. I, I love coming on this every single time. So thank you, sir. And I, I'm proud of you for the hard work. You, I mean, 100,000 is ridiculous. Come on. Come on. That's that's big time. That's that's a it, cool – you got to add that to the resume. Get it, you a little it, plaque that says 100,000, you know? It's going on the resume, and, and then we're, we're at the end of this podcast. But one one more giant thank you for everybody who who is still listening at this point. Thank you to Kevin Black. Yes, Kevin. This podcast. Kevin has done the hard work of so many. If everybody knew what he was doing in his personal life behind the scenes, trying to make everything work and then still help out with this podcast, I think he'd be getting a lot more tweets at him, to, to be perfectly honest, for the hard work that he does. Because he is he is one of the best grinders that we have, who who really is part of the No Silics family in a lot of different ways. He helped out with the draft stream last night. He's been with Draft Deeper since the beginning. So thank you, Kevin from the bottom of my heart for all the work you do. And the biggest of thanks is Rucker alluded to. Thank you to all the fans out there who have listened to draft deeper since the beginning, who are still here for the ride, who are with no ceilings, subscribe to the draft deeper podcast for every day, your podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, make sure you subscribe to no ceilings, no ceilings, NBA.com as Rucker alluded to follow t- on Twitter at no ceilings NBA for all the updates for what we're going to do with the Substack, the YouTube channel, podcast feed, summer league content's going to be freaking awesome, man. I, I cannot wait. That's going to be the next time draft teacher comes into the content stream is all the stuff we're going to be involved in and doing in summer league. And then after summer league, we'll be back to our regular schedule programming. But until then enjoy a break, everybody relish in the NBA draft, relish in the results, enjoy free agency. I'll have all of all my freaking free agency thoughts. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that point. I'm sure we'll, we'll be doing some summerly content around free agency as well. It'll be happening while we're there, but sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and awesome summer. Thank you.